Welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 104. Is that right? I don't know. No, possibly. No possibly 104, possibly 105, maybe 106. Who knows? The sky's the limit. Don't burp into my microphone. I didn't burp into my hand, indirectly, near the microphone. That did happen. Crit Apocalypse this is a podcast in which we talk about stuff and things that we've experienced during the week. Could be anything, any form of media, could be food, could be whatever we feel like recording. Mm-hmm. I feel like this week we're going to be recording some interesting stuff. And how are you doing? All right, all right. Yeah. How are you, how are you, yeah. how are you feeling? All right. What? Gut keeps churning a bit, but. Gut keeps churning. I have eaten 20 pancakes this week. So. You have eaten a lot of pancakes. I feel like you ate enough pancakes for both of us. I wasn't allowed any. Well, they got milk in them. Yeah, and also like the cosmic, the cosmic world as it mm. stands. It was just like, no, nah, Matt. Let him have the pancakes. I'll have copious amounts of Pepsi. I had 10 yesterday. Jesus Christ. That's Lunch. Um, all right. Well, I mean, other than the copious amounts of pancakes you've eaten, anything else? Fine. How you doing? You already asked that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, sure. Just not paying attention. No, I'm not. No, we're already Never off pay attention. We're already off script. Don't care. Anyway, okay. All right. So, uh, so as I said before, we're going to review some stuff. And things. I thought you'd stopped it then for a second. No, I'm going to stop it anyway. Just what? Why? I'm not. I'm just going on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just boosting the volume a bit. You're boosting the volume whilst we're going. You're like, yeah, I'm just fly editing. Yeah. Look at you, look at you, fucking pro. They should call you Quincy White Guy Jones. Quincy White Guy Jones. <laughs> Quincy White Guy Jones. So you don't get mixed up with Quincy Regular Guy Jones. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's nothing really to talk about political-wise. Like, well, Tim Apple is now the leader of Apple, thanks to the moronic president. And uh, Brexit's happening. Still just flying towards the abyss, aren't we? Tim Apple. Tim Apple and Theresa fucking Which is because he was saying Tim and Apple. He was was saying Tim Apple. Yeah, Tim and Apple at the same time to combine both. He's saving time, not wasting words. Well, he's busy going. Because Donald Trump has never been known for wasting words and just, you know, I mean, everything he says is precise. Such a fucking scumbag. Anyway, so I'm going to go first this week. It's my first review because we're taking turns each week. We alternate. Alternate. Don't review Captain Marvel first. I'm not going to review Captain Marvel first. It's the last. I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel first. No. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no, I'm not going to. I'm You're supposed to save the big thing for the end. I'm going to save the big thing for the end. Because otherwise people will just be like, you know, what's coming up in review? Oh, he's going to review toilet paper. Well, I'm going to do that last. No, I'm no. going to start, as I mean Turn to off. go on, steaming towards... Steaming. Steaming towards the shitty conclusion of life. Hmm. Anyway, first review this week. It's an Oscar winner. It's an Oscar nominated. It's one Oscars. Um, I'm going to review Green Suicide Book. Suicide Squad. Oh. Suicide Squad might as well be. Uh, no, um, Green Book. Uh, how much do you know about Green Book, Han? Isn't that a film where the white guy sells racism? It's driving Miss Davy. Daisy. Yeah. Davy. It's that um, one about a racist guy who just had to learn to not be racist by meeting of. people more racist than him. Let's get into the nuance of the thing. Have you heard we? the song by Morrissey? No, because <laughs> Morrissey is a fucking scumbag. I despise that cunt yeah. now. I used to like the Smiths. Now I can't listen to the Smiths without thinking, was he... Thinking about stoning a black dude whilst he was writing this shit. You don't hear Robert Smith suddenly go, I hate black people, do you? It's just fucking Morrissey, because he's a fucking idiot. I hate Morrissey. He's such a it's gammon. Pardon? He's turned into gammon. He's turned into gammon. Well, he had cancer at one point, and he didn't have cancer, and then apparently it wasn't cancer, it was another illness. He's just full of shit and an arsehole. Had a hernia, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and he had to remove his head from his own arsehole. Mm. Um, okay, so Green Book. That we got off topic now. So Green Book is a film set uh, in the 50s, 60s. 
it follows. Um, it follows. I was about to say Vincent D'Onofrio then, because I was thinking about his little tweet recently about about. Um, you're gonna say you're gonna stuff. say monkeys. You, you're thinking about black folk, and no, you thought no, about no, monkeys. No, 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 because it, what is his name? Oh God, what's which his name? one? Aragorn. Aragorn. Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen. I'm <laughs> thinking Vincent D'Onofrio. Viggo the Carpathian. Yeah, Viggo the Carpathian. Um, so um, Viggo Mortensen plays uh, plays an Italian bouncer, sort of. He's meant to be mm. like a, he's meant to be like a um, like a maitre d at a restaurant, but he's sort of also a bouncer. And he, you can see in the first few scenes, we get a sense that he is constantly. Constantly thinking about two things: food mm. and how he can manipulate his position so he can gain more um, gain more influence with the local like the local crime bosses and people like Ignore that. All the noises. All right. Ow. <laughs> Fuck. That was brutally all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you can see that he there's like a little thing about a hat in the beginning. There and, you go. That's better. Now you're louder. Oh, there we go. Cool. And there's a little thing about a hat in the beginning, and that that sort of gives us an idea of his character. Um, he gets home after a long, long evening working, and there's two guys. You don't there. need to count the entire film. Just no, 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 no. It's just I'm just setting things up a little bit, and then right. I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into too many spoilers. He drives a jazz musician around. That's kind of not it. So he's he's a major D, and because of something that he's done, he's pissed off the local crime bosses, and he's forced to seek alternative work. Comes across a job where he's going to be driving someone. We see before he accepts the job that he is, he's not a fan of black people. It's not really racism. He's not like openly mocking them. He's not attacking them. It's a, there's a scene in which two guys are working on his kitchen sink. They're both black. They have a drink. He sees they're having a drink. And then after they've left, he throws a glass in the bin. His wife retrieves them, showing that she's a little bit more progressive minded. Um, and uh, and from there we get a sense that he he doesn't he's not racist but he has he's racist he's racist he's racist. Very racist yeah he's very racist he's racist and he meets Marshall Ali like you take a glass that's yeah, some black person in the bin he touched racist. it to put it in the bin so that's more progressive than some people in the UK uh, but um, so uh, he he gets hired because of recommendations for his character and also what he's known for he's, he is a bit of a bruiser he can fight and defend himself uh, but he gets hired by Marshall Ali to drive him across country to go to several gigs in the south the reason oh, it's the no. south the reason it's the south they say quite quite specifically at the beginning of the film Marshall Ali doesn't want to tour around New York places like that because he's going to be welcomed he's going to get paid a lot but that doesn't give the message he's trying to give. He's trying to build a message. That, confusingly, doesn't really match the tone of the film later on, but we'll get more into that in a second. So, Marshall Ali hires... hires um, Marshall Marshallah. Maharala. Maharala? I thought it was Marshall Ali. I thought it was Marshall Ali. Fuck's sake. Marshall Ali. You're ruining this. All right, so basically... Marshall Ali. I can't remember how you say his name. Marshall Ali. I thought it was Marshall Ali. You've confused me now. I've confused myself. I'm saying it differently. Marshall Ali. This isn't no Achipatongwira's fackle situation going on <laughs> no. here, okay? So, uh, basically, I'm, I'm, from now on, I'm just going to call him... He, he, I think... Um, um, Mahashala Ali. Mahashala Ali. Okay. See, I knew that. Marshall, you're saying it all wrong. You're saying it messed me up. <laughs> I was saying that to begin with. It's changed as the review's gone on. Anyway, Cornell, no, fucking Cornell, yeah. Cornell, cool. <laughs> from, uh, from, from, from the wire, isn't it? Luke Cage, Luke Cage. Yeah, he was in the uh, wire as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, but Cross he cards. he plays a doctor. Um, well, his name's Doctor. He's actually a jazz musician, as you rightly said, who has decided to take part in this southern tour of the U.S. Um, using a book called the Green Book, which is where the film gets its title. <laughs> the Green Book is essentially a book that says. Um, that gives a list of places that are friendly to people of colour. Mm. Because um, the South is still very much 
But then he loses it and he has to go kill no, a bunch of people no, to get it back. No, no. And oh. it is it is just a story of these two people bonding, both giving their life experience. You see almost immediately um the veneer of this this faux racism, this this like um oh I hope black people so much are throwing away glass is almost immediately gone. And you get a feeling that that it was never really based on anything other than the environment, but even that's a loose term. I think that there was deeper seeded hatred in the in- initial like story, and it's obviously been clean it's rewritten. A true story. It's based on a true story. Yeah, that's the thing. Based, um, and I, I get the feeling there could have been a better film here, a harder film, like something that's that's maybe more specifically it's directed by a fucking Farley brother. I know, I know. It, it could have been something that was more specifically given a freaking best director Oscar. I know, best I know, Oscar to I fucking. Know. The look, guy made Dumb and Dumber 2. Look, let's just finish the review and then we can get angry about the Stooges. So, the story itself, this is a very much a case of Bohemian Rhapsody. Do you know it would work? What? If it was an episode of Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula leaps into the body of the of Marshall Ali. Get Bakula out of my mind and get Bakula into my car when making this. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it's it's not a bad film by any any stretch of the imagination. It is a it is so similar to Driving Miss Daisy that I'd say that that is the close. Like you don't see there's not obvious violence towards black people. There's not like there are there are scenes in which um, in which um, Vinny walks in and there's like a bunch of people and they've got they've got the doctor like they've got him pinned and they're like oh this guy came in here asking for a drink and he's a person of color we're gonna be so pissed off and Vinny just goes I've got a gun. Let him go or I'll fucking shoot you all. And they just leave. And that's the end of the confrontation. You don't see any hits thrown. You don't see anything like that. But you do see Mahashara Ali is covered in bruises. And he's like, oh, they just beat me up because I wanted a drink. It's like, but we didn't see that. You have to show us those... Because if you just see someone turn up with a bit of red makeup and they're just like... It it robs the impact of the situation. Later on, and this is... you like watching black folk getting beaten. No, 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 no. You have American History X running constantly. (laughs) No. The problem is that much like Bohemian Rhapsody, the complaint here would be that you're telling us instead of showing us, you're saying, oh, it's a bad time for people. It's like, yeah, but we don't get any sense of that. It's actually quite pleasant for the most part. There's only a few yeah, so white people don't feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's my. Um, but Bohemian Rhapsody had the exact same problem. It's so there squeaky a scene where he clean. Teaches him about eating fried chicken. Yeah, like you could have had a scene where a white guy talks about a food to yeah. a black guy. It could be anything, but yeah, yeah picked fried chicken. Okay, what's our backup plan? I don't know, purple drank. And and that's the thing. <laughs> like, those scenes don't really work like they're supposed to. The problem is there's cutaways. exactly and the right way for Midwest Americans. Yeah, it's essentially made for an American audience because America needs to pretend that they were the winners of World War Two. They sold they racism that years ago. It's all fine <sighs> now. But so, um, so, yeah, so my key problems with this are that it's way too fluffy. There's Green Book 2040. <laughs> it gets to a point... We're, that we might actually probably get that. If you uh, make it as a sci-fi film, they'll listen. It gets to a point where they're staying Change in hotels. black people for orcs. <laughs> and there you go, you've sold racism. It's basically bright too. Yeah. Um, so it gets to a scene later on where Mahashala Ali is drinking a bottle of this quite expensive, quite strong whiskey every evening. And he's doing it because we get the idea that, that firstly he's trying to combat his own personal demons, but at the same time he is an alcoholic. He's doing this to medicate himself. But what we actually find out is that he had a wife, he had a brother, he separated himself from these things, he separated himself from his culture, and they separated himself from other cultures and, and stood stood tall as a black man, which is great, that's a great message. But then he's saying, oh, because I'm I'm also... And this is spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Green Book, because why the fuck would you? He, he's gay. 
I know, right? Like that's like that's a key scene. He goes on one of his little wandering trips, and this is after he's all healed up, and he's caught in a bathhouse with a white dude in Southern <clears throat> America. Oh no! Like you think to yourself, someone who is afraid to confront their feelings, or someone who is hiding something, doesn't make such obvious moves to go and just. I understand getting wanked and wanting to get off with someone, but there's there's that when you're in a situation where it's it's you know there's no concerns, there's no worries, and then there's that when you're in the deep south and you're a black person in the fifties. There's risking your life for a bit of a bit of a wank, and there's risking your life to just for nothing. You know, like you don't need to do it. It doesn't need to be in the story. I don't even know if it happened in the. It probably didn't happen in real life. Like there's that, and then immediately after that scene. Vigo Morrison is is like is is talking to him and Doctor Maharshala Ali. He, he's at the bottom of the stairs and he turns up to him. And he goes, he goes about what you saw the other night. I I I would you know I'd very much like your candor. I'd like I like your respect in the situation. And Vigo Morrison just turns around and goes, I worked in New York. I, I've seen so much worse around the clubs. You know, it doesn't matter. And I was like, I was like, you should have gone. Hey, now you got to silence me yourself. And he pulls his shirt off. Well, no, no, he's doing it. He's doing it for money. He's shown as being an honourable person, but he is driven by money and something that could be used as a. They just say nothing about nothing other than the fifties were bad for black people. Yes, we know that because America was a fucking horrible place to be black. Was. It still is, yeah. But, like, the problem is it's not saying anything new. It's not saying anything with any nuance. It is. It is just this wishy-washy... It's comfort like, food for middle Americans. Man. Yes, but... The fucking... The type who thought Blindside was a good film. So, I know that... I know that... I don't know if we actually reviewed it on the, on the podcast or not, but 12 Years a Slave has come out in the time that we've been recording this. Mm-hmm. And 12 Years a Slave is a film that's about four years old now. Yeah, but directed by a directed by a black English Stephen guy, Queen. starring a black English guy, and it's got English people all over, it, American people all over. It's a joint thing, and that is a horrible film to watch. There are difficult to watch scenes in that, and I'm not saying that I want things to be difficult to watch, but for you to handle this subject like it's it is racism handled by someone who has never never in their life experienced racism. Mm. Never, you know, never spoken to the communities that this is so ingrained. These people that lived through this are still alive. Children that experienced this at the age of eight at that time are still alive. And you don't talk to them. You don't find out. There's a scene where I'm not even fucking kidding. They go to a place where people are playing horseshoes in the middle of a hotel. And the black dude's like, hey, do you want to come join us and play horseshoes? And the guy's like, Nah, I've just drunk a whole bottle of whiskey. I'm going to go to a bar and get beaten up because, you know, this is a good plot device to show that people don't like black people. It's like, we fucking know that. It's America. Like you said, they don't like them now. It's fucking ridiculous that we're in an age where (coughs) this is winning Oscars. It makes me almost as angry that Bohemian Rhapsody won Oscars. And you know why that is. It's a white guy directing a film about racism who doesn't understand racism doesn't understand the period he's trying to tackle. Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody is a film directed by a fucking paedophile about gay Only people. half directed. Dexter <laughs> Fletcher did the rest. I know. And you can tell when Dexter Fletcher's directing because there are zooming shots and spinning records and there's life to a scene. Mm. Everything directed by Brian Singer in that film is so clinical and weird. It worked for X-Men because it's like a space 
spacey sort of sci-fi mm. it works in that environment but as soon as you go to something that's warmer and involves people and you've got scenes that are shot wide angle with two people in scene one of them smoking with his back turned to the camera and you have to assume he's reacting positively to fucking conversation you just got to make sure the two living members of Queen are always on so producers are still always yeah. on the camera so like I was saying whenever Brian May is not on shot I need you to ask where's Brian May Brian Singer isn't a good representation of the homosexual community and you can tell from the film that he didn't really know what he was doing when Dexter Fletcher is filming it's a lot warmer and you can really see those scenes because the warmth comes through regardless of the gender of the people that are talking and that's the problem you've got someone who knows what love is and understands what two people interacting is like as opposed to a sexual fucking predator whose cold clinical approach to things comes through way too obviously in his directing should never have had a biopic should never have agreed to Green's terms Green Book should never have been made by a white Jewish guy in fucking 2019 2018 sorry I apologise it should have been made by someone like Steve McQueen it should have been difficult to watch because the subjects they are tackling need respect and need to be told historically it can't be a buddy fucking comedy this isn't Lethal Weapon which by the way handled race better than this did in Lethal Weapon 2 which is fucking ridiculous to say still like the only American film about the apartheid. Yeah, that denies that denies the apartheid was a good thing. Completely flat out says it's bad and says we need to rise up against this. God bless and Shane Black. May, He's only may, ever made one bad film. It may say it as a joke. Predators. Yeah, that's really bad. It may say it as a joke, but it's still people are thinking Iron Man three, and I'm like, no, fuck <laughs> you, Iron Man three is great. Green Book isn't a terrible film. It just should be so much better, and to give it Oscars just lowers the It sounds standard. a lot like it's one of those... You know those movies that used to be on, like, American... Like, you get it on TV, and it was like those true-life story yeah. movies that are inoffensive and... Yeah. It's just that. that. Yeah. Which is a shame, because one of the things that is good, they've got so much production design. Mm. It's beautiful. Like, the shooting... Yeah, somehow the Fowley brothers still get money. Yeah. It's shot beautifully. Everything is perfect. Right down, and both of the leads are so fucking good. It should have been better, but the script is bad. The sound design is incredible. When he plays a piano, it's so subtle, but the different environments. Do you know, like um, with Cubase, where you change the rooms to how the sound bounces? Yeah, it's probably the exact way they did it, but they changed the rooms, and you can, when you're watching it in the cinema, the echoes match mm. how the layout goes. Mm. It's like listening to live music. You know, where you've got like you've got people select selectively placed in right areas so that it projects out in the right way, or you've got and it just it fucking sounds beautiful. It's just how all these parts are put together and made something that just is so impactless. Is just they so won an Oscar good. for best picture. Yeah, so did Suicide Squad. No, for Best Makeup, sorry, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Black um, Panther got two Oscars, didn't it? Pardon? No. Black oh, Black Panther, that got three, didn't it? Did it? Yeah. Yeah, because it got a... Suck it, Suicide yeah. Squad. Um, Black Panther handles race better than this. A fucking comic book Black Handsman was in there the same year. Same Black Handsman is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. That's a lot more difficult to That's watch. Spike Lee said, every time someone's driving someone, he can't win. <laughs> well, it's that's the thing. Like You take this against Black Handsman, and Black Handsman, like I said before, you've got... It takes the piss out of racists, and at the same time, it handles race relations in the correct way. One of the things that I found the most fascinating is Black Klansman, the story of it. Zimmerman is a character created for the for the film. The actual mm. cop that was part of the whole sting operation, because it's based on a true story, he was actually just a regular cop. He wasn't Jewish. He wasn't. He didn't have any, yeah. any horses in that race. He was just doing a job, and I think that that's phenomenally smart on Spike Lee's behalf. He was only one of four writers, so, you know, I don't know how much of his input was that, but... But just 
you know, mm. how can you make these two films in the same time frame? But yeah, Green Book. The, I, I think the, um, I think I'm gonna have to get like, uh, David Spade. But that's, again. Is David Spade the one who keeps harassing people? Yeah. No, 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 David Schneider, David Schneider's the bad one. Cause he's the, he's the anti-vaxxer, isn't he? I'm thinking the one who's always in sitcoms and stuff. He used to be in films a bunch. Yeah, yeah, and... that's, that's David Spade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. everywhere. It's kind of fine. I don't really want to watch it, but it's there. Joe Dirt still exists if you want something good, though. No. Um, and in terms of this, like, that's my personal view because the history and everything else. I've watched films and I've read stuff about this because I'm so fascinated by the evils of man. We're horrible, horrible creatures who have done horrible things to each other. And I think that, I think that to not handle it in a respectful way is just, it's, it's damning on everyone involved. But at the same time, I would turn around and say that this is really to other people. I think that if you're not so invested in that, if you are, if you liked Bohemian Rhapsody, if you like those biopics that don't really give you information, they just tell you a story in a nice way. I think this could be right up with a Laura Linney. Like this could be something that people really enjoy. I just don't think it should be, it shouldn't have won Oscars. People only watch Bohemian Rhapsody to hear the songs. I know. And they're really well recorded for that film. Again, that's another thing. Like when I reviewed it before, I said the sound is great. The problem is that they, they go into a room, start stomping their feet on the ground and it's fluff. They're like, Oh, look, there's a song. Look. Yeah! And then, like, suddenly they've got fucking We Are the Champions. We Are the Champions. The famous one where they stomp their feet. (laughs) I'm taking the piss. I'm taking the piss. That's that's kind of what it's like, though. But, um, but yeah, yeah, your review, Ant. I'm undecided as to how I, who I'd recommend it to, but Green Book exists. It's a thing. It's a fluff piece. It's your grand. Yeah, maybe. She's dead, so, yeah, maybe. Both of my nans are dead, so. (laughs) All right, fuck off. Um, right. It's for your aunt. <laughs> They're all alive, so yeah, they probably mm. fucking loved it. Fine then. Right, so you spent like 20 minutes talking about Green Book. I feel like I gave a good critical analysis of Green Book. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't too... I wasn't overwhelmed. What score would you give your review? 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. My score. Yeah. Film, no. <laughs> um, right, what should I do? Quick review? Uh, do you know what came out? This week? No. Um, Assault Android Cactus Plus on Switch. Yay! I actually do know about that. You know how I know about that? Because um, I wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm really... I'm a big fan of the game. I do own it on Xbox and PS4, and I mm. probably will get it on Switch. I'm yeah, thinking, Xbox is the only version I don't have. I think... Because I don't have an Xbox. <laughs> I keep thinking that every time I look at Assault Android Cactus, I really want to play Diablo 3 on it. And Diablo 3 on. Yeah, Switch. no, I mean, that's what I want. I, yeah. I might go for Buy that. Diablo 3. Be- I might go for that before Android. But no, um, so they've put us out Android Cactus on Switch. Originally, when the game was on Kickstarter years and years and years ago, um, Wii U and Vita were not that long, you know, released. And everyone was like, yeah, we're going to produce games for these consoles because people are going to be playing them in a few years when I finish it. Um, that didn't happen. Wii U and Vita. I think, like, one of the few games that has still got its Wii U version coming out is Battle Princess Madeline. Like, is that really coming out on Vita? It's coming out on Vita and Wii U, yeah. They're actually Jesus. committing to that. Like, But anyway, they they were making the Vita and Wii U versions, and they were apparently coming along, but those consoles are a little less powerful than the Switch. So the Switch version's come out, and it is, like, fantastic port. Apparently they, like, had to... Basically, Tim Dawson, the guy who, like, coded the thing, hmm. had to, like, rip loads of stuff out and pull loads of tricks off to make it work on the Switch. Yeah. Um, And it runs at 60 frames per second fluidly and stuff, and it doesn't look that, like... In the intro sequence, you can see where, like, detail off in the distance has been lowered and stuff like that for the intro sequence. But when you're actually playing the game, it looks really similar to the PS4 and PC version. I mean, I literally played the Switch version, then switched and went over to the PC. 
which I've got running in like 4K and stuff. And other than like, you know, the geometry being a lot smooth, like sharper on the PC version, like texture wise and everything, it looks really similar. It's not far off. Um, and we played it like we chucked up the AI to have four players running around, me and Paul yeah. And even with four players, it's like buttery smooth. It's mostly like I've probably had a couple of little dips here and there, but I'm only talking like ten frames for a second. And mm. and that game does throw shit around. There is a <laughs> tiny amount of artifacting on one of your videos. And I don't know if that was a capture or if that was oh in the video. Yeah, that would be the fucking capture. You, you don't get artifacting in gameplay. Yeah, no, no, no you get no, in no. video because yeah. there's too much shit going on the screen. Yeah, that's what I was seeing. I was YouTube just seeing can't like handle clusters it. of pixels. Yeah, because YouTube yeah. can't keep up with that game. I thought that's what it was. It's the same with racing games. It's like YouTube yeah. hates anything fast moving. That's why friggin' people play loads of slow games because it looks really crisp and nice. Well, you say that they hate racing games. I can't think of a decent racing game that's come out in the last few years. Yeah. Forza Horizon 4, you cock. All right, other than the Forza. Yeah, but racing games, when you play it, put them on YouTube, the video compression just kills yeah, it's them. it's bad, isn't it? Like if, like, if they ever bring out a new F-Zero game, that is going to, like, such shit when people play it online. That's why it's always YouTube. 60 frames yeah. per second on YouTube. It's like 45, we'll add the 15 later. Yeah. But they, um... They've added some more stuff to Cactus. They've added every character's got at least like one extra costume added. Originally, there was a thing where like if you get an S ranking on every level, you'd get like a metallic costume. Mm-hmm. But they now they've added like a proper costumes for each character. One of them, like Lemon, gets a pink Power Ranger costume. Yeah, I saw that you uh, posted cool. about yeah. that. Yeah, and there's like Holly has a goth costume and Hot. things like that. Um, Peanut still got her extra costumes as well. Peanut had like a she had a bonus costume for doing something, which was like she's wearing a unicorn hat. <laughs> So yeah. the horn on her head looked like a unicorn thing. So basically like uh, like the kid from, um, what's it, um, Despicable Me. Probably. Yeah. I don't know if you watch that. Um, <laughs> I did once. Yeah, her new costume is like a version of her that's not rotting and breaking apart because she's like, oh. she's all like rusty and stuff. She's a she? zombie. Yeah. But um, they've done like really cool costume. The fucking licorice looks like Big Hero 6, the guy. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I was, I've been looking at it going, oh. why is it purple and red? That looks really familiar. It's been a long time since I watched Big Hero 6. And I was 6. like, oh, God, it's Big it's this thingy from Big Hero 6, whatever his was name that is. Was that a Pixar film? It wasn't, no, it was, was it? Disney. That's a really good film. Disney. But I've um, also added a campaign plus mode to it, which is basically chucking all the toughest enemies at you right from the very start. Mm. Um, I know there's like one type of enemy that only appears once in the entire game on the normal one, so now it's like it's getting chucked in really early. This is, we're playing it and it's like the giant dog rocket launchers that fire clusters of rockets everywhere and you're like the first level. <laughs> and, it's like, and the amount of enemies you're fighting is like higher than normal. Yeah. Um, and there's um, a bunch of few more accessibility controls. Yeah. Like you can play with a Joy-Con on one Joy-Con and it'll auto-aim to the nearest enemy. Oh, that's cool. Which is quite cool. So you can keep up with a Joy-Con and play it and have it in simple mode. I edit that because I remember yeah. that... I can't remember if it was... There was a game on the PlayStation where it would target the strongest enemy... But you could basically have it so you were strafing and you could... No, like, this one always just goes for whatever's the enemy's nearest, right. so you're always dealing with the biggest, quickest threat. It does mean that, like, if you're playing with just the Joy-Con, you can't prioritise enemies, which you need to do yeah. if you're going to get S-plus on characters. But um, it also works in a way where, as long, if you have it enabled, the, if you're playing with a pro pad or two, or, you know, any other pad where you've got two analogue sticks, yeah. um, if you stop using the right analogue stick for a second, it'll automatically switch to auto-aim. Oh. And as soon as you hold onto it again, it'll change back. They've also made it so you can reverse what the trigger does so instead of holding the button to fire you can hold it to stop firing mm. so it'll be like auto fire on or off so you can switch around how that works so there's some nice accessibility options in there you know it's nice um, and it's got all the other stuff that's been added to the game over the years like director's commentary like developer's commentary in the game you can switch on yeah. um, and there's a movie viewer so you can watch the cutscenes there's only four cutscenes though but um, <laughs> so you can watch cutscenes all four of them there's only four yeah 
Um, but yeah, they've, they've done a friggin' bang up grand job of it. This is the yeah. fourth copy of the game I own. Um, well, it's like I said, that's part of the reason that that's part of the reason that it makes me think of Diablo and things like that because the Switch is more and more becoming the surprising contender for for best hardware to own mm. right now. It's definitely the best one to play on the toilet because getting a PS4 and a TV in the bathroom is a real pain. That's why you get a PS Vita and you remote play. Yeah, oh, you can do it on your iPhone now, can't there you? Go, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sony aren't making Vitas anymore. No, that's fucking yeah. upsetting, isn't it? Yeah. I was looking at them recently because they dropped down in price for a little while before they stopped production mm. and then they've gone back up again. Because uh, I was thinking of picking one up when they were like 40 quid because apparently like it will emulate everything and the battery's not bad, mm. which is basically <laughs> that's, that's a decider for me when it comes to hardware. Because as good as the Switch is, the battery doesn't last that long. Yeah, it's all right. You've got to be careful what you plug it into to charge it though because yeah. Nintendo have a weird... Like they have their own power standard for the USB 3 so you don't plug it into any old USB... No. Plug socket or anything. Two plugs where I've got the original one, and yeah. then I've got an Amazon Basic one that they sell specifically for the Switch. Yeah, yeah. Use use your own ones, but um, I wouldn't buy an Amazon Basic one to be honest, because Amazon's stuff is shit. It's shockingly bad. Um, but yeah, uh, so Android Cactus Plus. Um, hopefully they can add the extra stuff to the other versions of the game. But they said PC might happen, but then when it comes to consoles like Xbox and PS4, you have to actually resubmit them and pay to have the stuff assessed and everything for QA and all that. Yeah. So they probably don't want to pay for that because this game, they keep releasing it and people don't buy it. So. Well, it's actually <laughs> been quite popular, hasn't it? No, like, it's not, it's, it's nev- they've never had a really good sell on any of them. Oh. That's the thing with it. It's never sold particularly well, but it's it's a good game. It's a freaking good game. Yeah, people love it. Like you go on Steam and it's got like 800 and some reviews and they're almost all positive. It's like which It's got overwhelming happen. positive reviews, which is like basically as good as you can get on yeah. Steam. Um, so I think it's something like you need 500 reviews and it has to be 99% positive to get it, at least. Yeah. But, um, yeah, really fucking good game. It's about 15 quid on P- on Switch. So, you know, you can buy it, play it with the kids. That accessibility mode makes it a bit easier for them to play. Yeah. Give it a go. Cool. Yeah, it's really good. And Campaign Plus is fucking difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eat dicks. Yeah, yeah, eat, eat dicks indeed. Um, okay, um... So I've been playing on the Switch as well. I'm playing an older game because I've been um, playing been, on the Switch. I've been playing on the Switch. Uh, I've been playing an old game just because I I I um I had a moment the other day where I was going through going through Guildford and I saw that they had the newest Harvest Moon on offer for Switch and I was slightly tempted, um, but then I remembered I had Stardew Valley. Wasn't the new Harvest Moon the mobile phone one that looks really shit? No, there's one on the there's one on the Switch. I don't know if it is. There is one on Steam that looks terrible and it like looks like a mobile phone game. Oh, maybe there is that one then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it and I, I remembered I harkened back to the days where I had it on the Game Boy Color and I was like, oh, you know what? I'd love to play Harvest Moon again. Um, and I had Stardew Valley on my Switch, but I hadn't downloaded it yet because I had a voucher last year and it's been busy, busy when it comes to games this year. So uh, sorry, last year. So I um, I finally had a chance to sit down a plant. I've played it for. God, I'm I'm only three seasons into the first year, but I love it. It's really good. It's simple. It's Harvest Moon like. There are some expanded elements, as there are always with these sorts of games. One of the nice things about our generation is that all the indie developers are the ones that played the games that we played when we were growing up. So a lot of them had ideas and what they wanted to make of something. Like Android Assault Cactus, you can see you see the Smash TV. 
Android Assault Cactus. Assault Android Cactus. Assault Android Cactus, sorry. You can see you can see a little bit of that old Smash TV to yeah. it and things like that. And that, what's really nice is that any ideas you had when you were a kid where it's like, wouldn't it be cool if this was happening and that's happening? And it's like, oh, imagine if the floor built itself around you as you were playing and stuff like that. And that's and that's stuff they've added to Assault, uh, to Assault Android Cactus. Did I get it right that time? Cool. Um, and Stardew Valley is much the same. Like, it is. it is just... You know, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? And th- and that's what they've done. They've built upon the idea. I don't really know what I can say that people haven't already said before because the game's been out since 2016, 2015. Yeah, you're really on the... I know. But it's only been on Switch for like a year, so I feel like I'm well within that time where I can play it. And and to be honest, now Switch has sort of become a really good place for sales. I never expected mm. Nintendo to have a console that was good for sales. It'd be nice if they put their own games on sale every yeah, now and again. Yeah, they would, but they... they Looking for Breath it. of the Wild the other day, and it's impossible to find a copy that's under 50 quid. Really? Yeah. You can just borrow mine if you want. No, you don't want to touch yours. God, Lord knows what you've done to it. Uh, you probably licked it. No, I don't lick the games. You do that. Yeah. Have you licked my copy? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, Stardew Valley. I, I mean, I highly recommend it. If you're looking for something that's nice and relaxing... And there are online elements now, so you can get other people's farms, and you can visit people. And there's like a, there's there's other stuff as well. Um, there's a really nice adventuring mechanic to it now. So there's like a leveled sort of dungeon crawler, mm-hmm. and every five levels you get like a save point, and you can go back up to the surface. And then if you want to return to it, you can go down to every fifth level. So you got like five, ten, fifteen, twenty. And as you unlock those, you get... Battle Royale? Royale Not yet, not yet, but maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, 100 farmers dropped onto an island. (laughs) First one to grow a cabbage wins. Everyone's Um, rushing to grab the hoe. (laughs) (laughs) Little do they know, the winner is the hoe. Um, So yeah, so um, I recommend if you've got a Switch or if you've really got anything at this point, because I think it's coming out on Android as well. It's on everything. Yeah, it's on everything. Um, it's on ZX it's, Spectrum, Amiga. I think that the Switch is kind of the best place to play it. It's the most fitting. Because yeah. it does, like I said, Harvest Moon was, was always best when it was on the Game Boy. You had the original... Game Boy and SNES ones are fantastic. Yeah, the SNES ones are right, but then they sort of released that again on GBA and it was better. Just they, they The Game Boy Color ones. Legendary. The one that perfect. links to Legend of the River King. Yeah. That one. It's yeah. a great game. Um so yeah, so I really recommend it. I, I I mean, it's not the perfect game, but it depends on what you're after, really. If you're looking for bombastic action, it's not really for you. If you're looking for something that's like a nice, relaxing way, sometimes stressful, nice, relaxing way to waste a few hours, then then I can't recommend it yeah, enough. I know freaking uh, Eric from Game vs. Game plays it a lot, because I was looking over his Switch profile the other day, yeah. like, looking for what games he plays. He's clogged up 207 hours on Stardew Dally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Also, it's Troy from My Life in Gaming has been playing Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy a month before release. Ooh. Give me the. F- I want a code. I've been looking at that. Capcom. Have you seen how nice it looks? Yeah, they've redone all the art. For I it, know, it's fucking insane. Um, but yeah, so Stardew Valley. Um, I give it a. I give it a Julianne Moore. It's really fucking good. It is really good. But. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. I don't think that it's going to be one of those games that you see kids playing for hours on end. I think it's more of an adult game, um, and not because of the content, kids just because it. I think really, yeah, it's really popular with kids. I didn't think it was that popular. It's popular on Twitch, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, yeah, until Apex Legends comes along and knocks everyone down, doesn't exactly. it? Yeah, um, Fortnite but, off the top the other day. Really? Yeah, it's most viewed thing on thing that web that website where you watch stuff. Yeah, Justin TV, Justin TV. Uh, you done with? Yeah, yeah, that's my review. Star Julian, Julian Moore. 
Pally. I was got stuff to review and I can't remember what it's going to be now. Fuck sticks. Um, do you know what I got the other day? What? I got SteamWorld Dig 2 for the Switch. Yeah, you did. Yeah, in cart form. I got a box physical copy. I know, How that's rare. Is my preferred choice yeah. when it comes to games. It comes with a poster in it that I'm never going to take <laughs> out of the box. Um, but Stardew's SteamWorld Dig, that's it, SteamWorld Dig. Um, I never played any other SteamWorld games. I haven't played Heist, I haven't played Dig 1. Have Dig you not? Dig Dug Dug. They're doing an RPG scene as well. Yeah, they are. Um, but no, SteamWorld Dig's like, it's called like a Metroid-y game that involves mining. So if, I mean, you probably lazy and say Minecraft, but everything is sorted into blocks, but it's 2D. Um, but basically the whole premise is you're looking for the character from the first game, Rusty, and you go to this town and you have to dig into the mine and work your way down the mine. And as you go down the mine, you'll unlock extra areas, which you go into and go into caves and solve puzzles and mm-hmm. uncover mysteries. And you go to a temple off to the far east at some point and you know there's like all sorts of stuff you have to go to it's a pretty big game there's like this whole crazy stuff going on um but you get upgrades and stuff and at first like your only maneuverability is you can dig directly above behind below whatever in front of you yeah one block in each direction so you have to think about what you're knocking down so if you fall down a hole you've got to hope that you can get back onto the wall to jump back up because you can jump up walls yeah um so you have no other way of manoeuvring around that. So if you do fall down like that, you need to find ways to dig yourself around and and get back out, or just keep going down until you find a tunnel to launch you to the top again. Um, but gradually as you go, the unlocks you get are mostly all like things that are going to help you manoeuvre your way around. So you get things like a grapple hook that you can shoot up or into walls to latch onto them. Mm. Um, you get quite nifty with that grapple hook. If you like grab the edge of a block, you can swing yourself past it to launch yourself into the air. Yeah. Um, you get stuff like a gun that fires these bombs off and it starts off that they only go a little distance kind of like you know metroid in the original metroid where your gun would only fire like five pixels in front of you or some shit yeah it's like that you can only fire a few blocks ahead of you um and then as you upgrade it'll shoot further and you get more water tanks use water to steam you know because you steam things steam robots you know you have to collect up water so you've got ammo for it and gradually it all becomes a lot easier to build that stuff up and you know enemies will start dropping the resources you need for that um, you know, and I'll, like the first thing when you first go into it, your main like ticking clock is the t- t- um, the lamp you have that will gradually go out. And while you can't stop exploring when you have the lamp, you can't see very far ahead of you, so you have no idea if where you're digging to is somewhere that you can actually progress through. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and gradually the ticking clock becomes things like your water tank. You might need more water to get past certain puzzles and. You need to find a way to get back to a water to refill so you can carry on progressing. Um, you get or like a, a way to get punch. water to you. Uh, you, know, you have to just kill bad guys and get them to drop water. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they've done a really cool little job with this game. It's really well thought out how they've made sure you can't break through certain areas to, you know, there's certain types of rock you can't bust through at all. And they've made sure there's no getting around puzzles by, like, you know, digging around them or anything like that. You have to. It makes you engage with the puzzles. And there's little rooms you can go into which have their own... Like, there'll be like a puzzle room as such where, you know, there's some sort of rewards hidden in there and you've got to figure out the way to get through them in a very specific manner. Yeah. But at the same time, it'll teach you ways to handle certain situations outside of there. So it's cool. Um, I think I'm about two-thirds of the way through the game so far. It's not a short game, but it's not a... Re- I'd say it's not a short game, probably not a long game. I'm sure the speed run is you churn through it in no time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... It's- awesome games done quick someone did it in like half an hour or something <laughs> but um, it's one of those games where when you're playing it you will take your time and you'll be digging looking for minerals and shit 
Um, it's full of quirky little fun characters and nice animation. The original one was all like a pixel art style, and this one's got more of a painted character look to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really decent game. It's only about 15 quid to download, and the physical copy I got was like 12 99 in-game. Yeah, so, in-game right now is 12 99 for the physical copy. Yeah, which is nice and cheap. Yeah, um, it's really cheap for a physical copy yeah. of a fucking uh, Switch game. Yeah, any, any Switch game for less than 30 is a miracle Yeah, sometimes. Because um, sometimes you go in there and you see something that's like... It's like 15 quid to download on the store, and it'll be like 35 quid for the cartridge version. And your bonus will, your bonus thing will be like, oh, you'll get an extra skin for a car in the game. Like the Rocket League one, isn't it? Like 30-odd 30, 30 quid for the Rocket League Switch cart. 15 now. Yeah. But I don't think that that one's... Because there's two types. There is a physical cart, and then there's one that's just a download code in a box. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember which one. The physical is. cart one has, like, extra skins for cars and stuff. I think it comes with some of the early paid DLC, but yeah. still just... It's a bit it's a bit much for some of these. And limited runs ones are always, like, 40 quid or something, aren't they? Oh, but they are only making, you know, short run copies of them. They did Night Trap recently, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, yes, they is that still not on PS4 in the UK? It no, never, it is. It is. is. It? Yeah. It's definitely out in the UK. Because I, I remember it never came out at the same time. So when I got that copy for uh, my buddy, it, like... It was never on the store at the same time. So when I wanted to record footage of it, I had to borrow his copy of the game so I could record it. I've still got that footage. I should use it in something. I never used it in the thing I was going to use it in. <laughs> I just um, had it there. Yeah. I did terrible on it anyway. Um, Night Trap's impossible. Yeah. But anyway, SteamWorld Dig 2. It's really fucking good. I've enjoyed the shit out of it. It's um, one of those games where if you like stuff like Iconoclasts and Hollow Knight and all that, mm. you'll get on with it. It's not as combat-focused as Hollow Knight. It's not as, like... Um, Probably not as creative in terms of its mechanics as Iconoclast, but it's a really frigging good Metroid-y game. But it's a nice twist on Metroid, hmm. where you're literally uncovering the world as you go by smacking it with a fucking axe. Um, yeah. Um, it gets my completionist rate of... Complete it. So that's your review. Beard mode activated. <laughs> uh, I can't make that noise too much. Um, okay, so... Uh, Okay, I guess my review. Yes? Yeah, sure, why not? Whatever. Fucking fuck it. Okay, cool. I'm uh, trying to remember what the other things were I had to review. I'm going to review Anthem for the Xbox oh. for uh, Xbox One. Oh, that sounds... It's... Uh, Disappointing. It's a game, mm. isn't it? Online experience is what they call it. To games as a service, man. Games as a service, indeed. Um, okay, I don't have a positive opinion of this. I'm going to just quickly... <laughs> say that before I start actually talking about it because I think that often often I try and be positive about these things but it's, it's difficult with Anthem um, so anyone who ha- who listens to the podcast knows that if there's something that reminds me heavily of something I'll mention it during the review and and playing Anthem for a little while one of the things that, that came to mind very quickly was the Lost Planet series from the Xbox 360 um, anyone who doesn't remember about 2006 I believe the Xbox 360 was released one of the re- one of the launch games was um, was Capcom's new IP wasn't Lost Planet. Game? Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. No, it was wasn't. not. No, no, it came out about two years into the Xbox Live. No, 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 definitely like did because they did they did a demo for it on E3 um, the year after the Xbox released, and the game still wasn't out for another year. Was it Dead Rising that was a release game? No, none of them were. The release games on Xbox were really poor. It was um, what cameo. Was it? Yeah, cameo. Perfect Dark. Technically, it, yeah. like uh, it, it was actually Perfect Dark was released a few days before the Xbox came out. Okay. Um, Project Gotham Racing. There wasn't much. There was literally like five games. It was like 
Oh, wait, was the Xbox released 2004? Xbox 360? Yeah. Like 2006, 2005. Lost Planet's like at least a year and a half into the Xbox okay. website. But anyway, so Lost Planet was a game in which you travelled to a frozen world and you fought bugs. It was basically Starship Troopers, but the, the, the idea was that when you kill bugs, you get heat, and that mm. heat powers your suit and it keeps you warm in this Arctic area. Um, Anthem doesn't even have that, really. You just have a mech suit, and you go around flying around, and you shoot bugs. Um, so it's nothing like Lost Planet. No, it is. It feels really similar. It's like a machine gunner, third person. You're unbelievably strong compared to most of the creatures, but that's because they come in waves, um, and it's all online-based. It's, it's Could a that really... be like Lost Planet? No, it is. It is like Lost Planet was online. It had co-op. Um, it had online multiplayer versus, mate. <coughs> it had co-op in the sequel. Um, yeah, Lost Planet didn't. <laughs> So, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a really weird game. And there are times when you feel like you're playing something that, that, you know, could work really well, that immediately drips away. Like, for an example, the first few hours I had, I had a few fetch quests. I had a few, you know, I had a few destroy these monsters. It felt a little bit like Monster Hunter at some, mm-hmm. some points, because you get like a, you get like a little, a little mission and you go and you do it. And then you collect whatever's afterwards. Um, one of the one of the first mission, I think, in fact, you have to go and shoot all these spider things. I found that if I just went and you have to revive some NPCs whilst you're there, I found that if I stood behind the NPC and started healing them, and there was a triggered moment where like bugs are meant to pop up, they wouldn't see me if I was standing behind me behind the person because they're expecting you to stand in front of them. So they just all stood there sort of like, you know, like a Street Fighter character where you just leave them standing and they start like bouncing backwards and forwards. It was like that. There were all these just spiders just standing there like, oh, we're going to fucking get him when he arrives. And I'm sitting there like, I've healed the guy. Oh, he started shooting some. They're still not moving. Great. Mm. This game's fucking broken. It's balked. Um, And then immediately after that, after I killed all the spiders with relative ease, you're then introduced into an area, another part of the training where you have to go and collect spirits or memories. And all memories are are glowing orbs that are dotted around a room that you fly around and collect. And it's just the most fucking shit gameplay ever. And I, I, I worked through that, so the, the, ent- the intro is like an hour, so I walked through, I went through the intro, and then you get into the missions, and the missions feel just as empty. There's like a couple of like, retrieve the memories to unlock the gate, defeat the anomaly, and like the whole time it's saying to you like, defeat the anomalies, close this, close that, and I just kept thinking to myself, why are you putting in this thing where I have to go around and it feels like Final Fantasy the spirits within the game? Why am I doing this shit when you've already shown me awesome bug monsters? Yeah, they don't work, but you could make them work. But instead you're giving me these fetch quests where I go to a room and I've got to fly around and fucking collect glowing orbs. Like, and it's a closed room. It's variety, isn't it? But it's not variety. It's a it's a force. What Bethesda are known for is fetch quests and uh, yeah, I know. But like at least in Destiny, gunplay. They're really at least well known in for Destiny, like you go through a place and then you get something and you go back through the place. And this, you're in one place and you're just like, oh, there's a glowing thing. I just oh, I jumped, I got it. And now I go put it in the thing. Now I got to find another one. Oh, you can only carry one at a time. That's good. Yeah, and like I every time I had to do something like that, I was thinking to myself. You've got this awesome, like, massive space that I can fly around. How about just say to, like, you know, just say, oh, can you collect the eggs of this creature that's located near the river? And then if you want, you can fly further down the river and there's these larger creatures. We we use those for meat. They're almost like our cows. If you kill a couple of those, bring back meat for the village, and then they'll look better towards you. Because part of the thing is, there was a big anomaly. 
that destroyed loads of shit and was like a big disaster. And so people don't really trust you straight away. Although you wouldn't get that walking around the hub world. You, you know, that's the story. So imagine if you'd become like, you're, you're part of these rangers or whatever they're fucking called. And you're like a, you're like a special warrior that goes out in these mechs. No, no, you just go out in the mechs. Basically, you're just a pilot. You Mighty. just go out in the mech suit and you go and do stuff. It would make more sense if you geared the narrative, instead of towards these ghostly shit puzzles where you unlock a door, how about you gear the narrative towards do shit for your village, build it up. The more you build it up, the better parts they're going to make. If you give enough meat, then people get stronger and they're more happy to like help you. And if you take away stuff the farmer needs to do, then he can use some of his smelting skills to make some better armour. You know, just anything that involves actually developing an idea, instead mm. of just going like, these people hate you. So go on missions for them and then don't do anything to benefit them. But they kind of have faith in you now, even though you're not going to do anything for them. They have faith in you. It's like, the more of these games that come out that are bad, the more I worry that this is what gaming's going towards and people aren't realising. I know Destiny was a big thing and Activision said they were going to make a big thing of it. So all the companies commissioned making games like Destiny and then Destiny didn't really end up as big as they thought it well, would no, be Destiny, and Destiny. now all these companies are having to release these games you know what happened with Destiny don't you so the initial sales were great and then people had the first season pass and then the second season pass was released and they saw a drop off of like 70% of the, the people playing it yeah. and the reason was that the content that they initially had in the first the first, the first purchase and also the first season pass began locked off when the second season pass came out so Destiny 2 they said Everything that you've got in Destiny 2 straight from the off, it's going to be yours. None of it will be locked off after DLC's released. And they stuck to that for about six months. And then they released DLC. And they locked off certain aspects of the game. And then people got annoyed again. Mm. And then this comes out, and everything's locked off behind grinding, fetch quests, and badly designed gameplay. And people go, oh, this isn't very good. And they've seen a drop-off of, what, like 80% of the, the people that logged Probably. in? It's like, it's down by 80%. Of... no one wants to play these games. No, no. No one wants to play these games until you release something that works. Have you seen Division 2 has done something interesting? So they've gone, DLC is going to be free the whole time of the game, Mm. but now they've said that DLC is going to be free for the first year. So there's going to be a season pass. But they're holding off a year to do a season pass. So the initial sales will go, people play for a year, and then season pass will be, what, 20 quid? Usually with Ubisoft, they're not not as expensive as other games. I think you said something like the season pass only gets you access to the DLC early. Does it? That yeah. might be what they're doing then. So I think the season pass isn't actually that expensive. Yeah. It's just a. But Division One was good. Yeah. The 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 normal game you could play the whole of New York, yeah. and you can go into the 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 little like fucking skirmish area. You didn't get cut off as soon as DLC was released. You just had like oh you've got the borough of over here that you can go to now. And if Brooklyn, you... Bronx, Queens, and Staten yeah. from the Battery down to Manhattan. There you go. Asia, yeah. Middle Eastern, and Latin, black, white, New York. We make it happen. Beastie Boys. Um. But yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to the Division 2. I'd like to see what that looks like. And if that's disappointing, then, I mean, who's going to be making these anymore? Because they're failing, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Free-to-play games are succeeding. And you, you've got a lot of this, like, loot crate shit. Well, they just want games as a service. They all want to have a what, more money just constantly. What they, what they don't realise is... Rattling in. You can't have a game that costs 40 quid and then keep trying to charge people for season passes so they can keep playing the game. Mm. You can have a game that's 40 quid and then have aesthetic additions like costumes and shit but as soon as you start walling off content and you start stopping people from playing the game then you lose people playing the game so initial sales have to be high enough that once you get that drop off you can still have a maintained service or you just release a game 
support the game for a few years and then release a sequel or release a free-to-play game and make it so that people have to pay money for skins. You know, those are the only two ways that gaming's really going now. You've got single-player games still. Resident Evil 2 is one of the top-selling games of this year so far. Last year, Gears of War and Spider-Man. No, sorry, no, God of War and Spider-Man. Two of the biggest games of the whole year. Mm. And they were both single-player. They had no multiplayer aspect. No. No fucking loot crates or anything like that. It was just, that's it. Yeah, they should have filled Spider-Man with loot crates. <laughs> they had a season pass for Spider-Man, but what was it, like £12, I think I paid for us, both that um, copy? Well, it's not how much it is. You can't say the sale price is how much it is. How much it is is the price it comes out how at. How much did it come out at? Like 20 quid. Well, there you go. Yeah. Sound like 20 quid. And those were good the good little missions. I mean, why are people not learning? Like, you can't... Because they want all the money. Not everyone can be Nintendo. And Nintendo do the thing where they release these great single-player games and they've never really been massively invested in multiplayer. You've got some things like Splatoon that they've tried, which was popular, but would never do as well as something like, say... Um, Call Spatine's of Duty really popular. Very I know, popular. I know, but you've the install base is smaller, and you don't have cross-platform cross-platform um, integration, so you don't have any of the other stuff that the other gamers mm. games have. So you've already got a smaller market. You've got a smaller fan base. Yeah. So it's you, to release a game on the Switch, you have to know fifty percent of the Switch players are going to buy this game, or twenty five percent are going to play this game. And then that's got to be profitable over, what, three years, four years before we release a sequel because Nintendo will take longer. Um, and, you know, they're willing to, they're usually willing to take a hit. Nintendo really just want their IPs to develop so they can continue selling games. That's kind of the thing that no one else is focusing on. the games as a service, they just make games. Yeah. Just make like, the game. Look, at, look the game. at Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Like, mm. the main game is so long that most people won't need to play online. Mm. Like that. Most people do play online. Yeah, that fucking, that light. Mode the whatever it is, can't remember. What it's called World of now. Light. Yeah, mm. that's so big it takes about forty hours to complete or something stupid like that. Yeah, I've still not finished it. No, not back I. to it for a while though. No, no, right. They released the PE Piranha DLC and apparently it was causing save files. Yeah, so I didn't log so in. I, yeah, I didn't go back on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just don't know how Anthem. You could possibly make this work by saying, "All right, fuck it, season pass is gone. Any content will be free. You can buy skins. Here's an Iron Man skin." And you'd instantly have a massive day, a massive base of people that want to play it, and you'd have people buying your £2 skin or £5 skin or whatever it is, just so they can look like Iron Man. They don't care if they look like everyone else. They want to look like Iron Man. Like, you could do something like that. I don't know why they're not being smarter with this. Because getting someone to pay 40 quid and then saying, hey, that 40 quid you give us is real nice, but if you want to keep playing the game... They only need, like, a couple hundred of the people to keep spending massive amounts of money on the game. But no one will. They do. They, they do. Really? That's why the term whales exists. Yeah. But, um, You'd be amazed. Like, you know, when we worked at Gala Core, there was always like a, yeah. a handful of people who were spending thousands a month. That's the customers they want. Thousands a month on benefits for fucking mm. 18 kids. Mm. Loving life. Um, but yeah, Anthem, it's just not good. It's not very good. I can see it being a good game, but you'd have to strip so much away and change everything. It's the problem. Like, this could be a great single player game if you just got rid of all the fucking fetch quests and just made it so that it was Monster Hunter, yeah, basically. Yeah, but everyone knows Bethesda are well-known for their multiplayer online games and Actually, service that's, MMOs. That's a great point. Why buy this when Monster Hunter exists? The only difference is you can fly in this. Well, Monster Hunter's a very different game. No, it's it's really Monster not. Monster Hunter's all about hunting down one monster yeah. and well, taking yeah, down one monster. You kind of hunt down one monster. Like, there's little areas where you kill smaller monsters and there's a boss. And you kill the boss and then you get shit for killing the boss. It's the same sort of design. As much as it looks aesthetically different and the traversing the, the landscape might be different, it is very similar. Like, I think boiling all these games down to the base element, 
there are only a few that like follow this hey go out to a small place kill a thing go back to the bigger place from the bigger place pick another smaller place go to the smaller place like to put it into comparison with a game like I'm playing a lot and I and I still haven't really got I don't feel like I have enough of an opinion to to really review but it's something that's a very similar pattern is Neo which I'm still playing and like you take Neo where you've got this feudal Japanese map and like you complete a big mission and then you can replay that same area with the enemies moved around and a different objective mm. and I don't get bored of that because the game works everything's so fluid I'm not going and getting a key to go unlock this door I'm maybe you should just not play every game that comes out maybe I should just play the games that I rated really highly and then be disappointed by them instead I mean like you've got Why stuff did you like buy Anthem? I didn't I didn't I got the um, I got the EA access thing for 10 hours and then it reset after after a week so when I got it down to one hour it suddenly went to 10 hours again so I'm guessing that they're just going to keep giving me time so someone's playing it yeah. <laughs> but it was just it's just bad it's just I can't like so I wouldn't even bother downloading it no well I had to try it because so it looked went, it's boring it looked kind of fucking awesome right no. like I remember like that E3 Man friggin demo they did where half it was just him flying around and nothing happening well that was kind of the thing like I was like oh you can fly around you got this big area it's nothing like that mm. it's just really yeah it's just disappointing I don't want to see gameplay I don't want to see just floating well, about the place I said the same thing um, I said the same thing to someone at work today because I was talking about um, I was talking about oh no someone on Twitter actually sorry um, I was talking about Mortal Kombat you know the new one it's coming mm. out on Switch yeah and I can't find any information or any gameplay anywhere the Switch version's it. coming out later is it yeah ah okay so at the same but, time I think it's like June or July or something like that oh okay but I couldn't find any gameplay or anything for it. No, they won't show any gameplay because they're going to show the best-looking versions. Yeah, I know, but I still, like, you would, wouldn't you? You'd give it no. a go. Like they did with Injustice, they had the yeah. Wii U version yeah, and stuff. Not get the better version. It's not on Injustice and on Wii U. Yeah, first mm-hmm. one is. First one, yeah, first yeah. one is, yeah. Not the other, not second one. No, no, fuck no. No. But <laughs> second no. one on the Wii. <laughs> I wouldn't get the Switch version of Mortal Kombat 11. You'd get the yeah. version, get the PS4 version or PC version or something. Isn't one of the biggest-selling versions of Mortal Kombat on fucking Game Boy? No. Yeah? No, God no. No one played Mortal Kombat on Game Boy. Yeah, they did. Tons of people owned Mortal Kombat 2 or 3 on the Game Boy. It was like a really big selling no. game. Yeah. No, not yeah. a chance. No one fucking brought Mortal Kombat on the Game anyway, Boy. Anyway, Anthem, it's an Adam Sandler. It's not great. It's not great at all. Isn't it? It's, it's, no. It's, it's shocking. I am shocked. I'm shocked that the 500 fucking games as a service sci-fi shooter I still stand by I think that I think that Division 2 is going to be one to play but we'll see yeah well, people seem to be enjoying it in the beta yeah. So, yeah I enjoyed it a lot in the beta actually it was really fun also multiplayer is oddly good yeah. they've got it like it's um, it's the first time I've played a third person like um, multiplayer game where I'm not like oh there's suddenly a tunnel behind me it's like you can they've kind of designed it so the maps are a lot smaller and so your scope is kind of like you get people in the strategic places and then they hmm. and if people form a choke point this is quite smart but um, we'll see for the actual release because I'll be interested to find out what that plays like will you now yeah your review Ant you're going to keep throwing up on everything I'm not throwing up I've got like hiccups you're fucking hiccups it's because you've been drinking coke straight from the bottle yeah it's probably something to do with that isn't it? yeah disgusting alright mum carry on <sighs> God's sake. right Tojam and Earl, back oh, in the groove. God. What? <laughs> All right. Tojam and Earl's great. 
Toe Jam and Earl is back and they're in the groove. Are um, they? Yeah, and it's a really fucking good Toe Jam and Earl game. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it would be bad. Okay, cool. Why this do you think fun. it's going to be bad? I've not heard good things. What? People have been raving about it. It got frigging massively great reviews. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard bad things. Well, you're an idiot. Then. Why am I an idiot? Because someone else said it was bad. I don't know. They're an idiot. <laughs> the game's really good. It's been getting really good reviews. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It's like got a Metacritic score of like 80-something or whatever. Oh, I don't listen to the critics. Oh, dear. No, they're Toe fucking Jam-Nel. idiots. It's, it's more Toe Jam and L. Yeah. Because um, the one thing with Toe Jam and L series is the first game, loads of people love that first one and they you know, remember it from when they were a kid and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But when they did the sequel, Sega insisted it had to be a platformer game so it ended up being a completely different game entirely. And then they spent years trying to make Toe Jam and L3 and it went from Dreamcast to Xbox and... All these changes were put in, and it kind of ended up in this weird sort of thing where it's a bit like the original games, but not as such. It was sort of more of an adventure thing going on, and it was a bit weird. Yeah. Um. So it was never like that. But then they've done this one, which is basically taking the original game's format like entirely and redoing it for modern graphics with hand-drawn art and like 3D environments, sort of 3D environments. It's still 2D how it plays out. Um. And it is like slavishly like a remake of the Mega Drive game like like all the elements are there there's not much else to it but that Kickstarter they did for it was like it only just went past its target so it only just got enough to make it so none of the extra stuff really got added but then Adult Swim came in and threw money out to produce the game that's cool so it got a little bit extra so it could get a few more of the extra human earthling characters and stuff like that and you know a couple of extra bits and bobs here and there yeah Um. but yeah what they've done is like They've boiled it down a bit so it's a bit more completable as a roguelike game. Because Toad Jam was one of the first like games to take the design of Rogue and bring it into... and make it as a game. Like, roguelikes have been around like crazy nowadays. Yeah. But, but back was, on the Mega Drive era, there was nothing like that. Nothing at all like yeah. that. Yeah, and Toad Jam was alien. That's one of the reasons Toad Jam gets remembered so much, because there was no Mega Drive games that played like that. That were a, you know, continuously changing thing. Every experience was a little bit different. Because, you know, you play random world. You never play the fixed world. You always play random. I didn't even know there was a fixed world. Yeah, they always had the option fixed and random right at the start. Oh. Um, but they've made it so there's only like 25 levels you have to play through. I think on hard mode there's 40, maybe. Not tried hard mode because I'll, I'll just fail at it. Um, but there's all there's more stuff put in on like your stats. And when you level up, you get extra stats and stuff. And, you know, extra lives move faster. Get better luck finding items and things like that. Each character's got their own like certain things like Earl can eat bad rotten food as well Yeah, it gives him a little bit of health not much but a little bit whereas other characters you have to avoid that because it knocks your health down um, so Earl's my go-to character modern Earl does um, classic Earl doesn't because there is classic Toe Jam and Earl where they've done like modernised drawings based on the old designs with the bruiser shorts and all that um, but yeah it's it's just it's more Toe Jam and Earl it works really well it has the same tricks the split screen tricks that the original one had where like you know when one of you walks off the screen it like splits it in half and goes suddenly split screen the earthlings are like pretty much all of them are like the old earthlings brought back but there's a couple of new ones favourite one's the internet troll he like throws swear words at you like yeah. little expletive censored swear words come flying is out is it like a palette swap for the nerd they used if to you have. get near him he freaking turns into a cowardly crying child and runs away <laughs> which is quite funny um that's when you can bump into him and it like, scares him off. Yeah. But um yeah, that's quite funny. Do you get the um I'm trying to remember the power ups from Tojo and L so you had sneakers for speed. You get high tops. High tops for speed, yeah. and then you had the boxing glove thing for 
you had like um, spring shoes so you could oh, jump okay. and you had the Pegasus wings to flap around. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of levels where it's really tricky to get to the islands you need to get to to find the spaceship parts on. Does it still but drop you down like a that. level if you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it still does. All that classic there. Cool. There's um, one holdover from Panic and Fungatron. There's a bonus level which is the the funk world from Panic and Fungatron which yeah. is the weird one where everything looks like squiggly graphics and you run around. Um, when you play the tutorial world that's really easy and you get really far in it. When you play the regular world it moves so fast that freaking you're going to hit the portal that sends you back to the beginning straight away. You have to yeah. sort of learn it. Um but yeah, it, it, it's more Toe Jam and L. It's good fun. Have they done the? Have they redone the music? There's like, there's new versions of the old music. Um, some of it's like original, some of it's new. Because I remember that was one of the first games where I got the free CD of the game. Do you remember that? It yeah, came with the soundtrack. Uh, did it? Yeah, you could get a copy that came with the soundtrack. I'm pretty sure the Mega Drive one. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe I'm Panic on Funkatron. Maybe not the first one. Not the first one. No, it was like no. the sequel in the Mega Drive. Yeah, Panic and Funkatron is a completely different game. Yeah. It's yeah. platformer, you, you doofus. No, I just remember I had, I had the Tell Jam and L CD. It's got some funky, funky, fresh music. Yeah, the sprites look really nice. It's really? another one of those ones where they've redesigned everything. They've given it, it's all hand-drawn, cartoony yeah. style. It looks... um. Looks vaguely like Rodney Greenblatt's artwork. You know, the guy did Prepper the Rapper and stuff like that. Yeah. Like characters have the chunky cheeks and everything. And yeah, I can see that. And the nice, that. the nice thick outlines of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something we need. We need some new, some new games based on Rodney Greenblatt's art. Get some Parappa the Rapper and Imjamalami and I stuff. Want, I want a, um, I want a, a more easily available version of uh, Pitfall. You know Pitfall. the uh, Mega Drive one. Oh, Pitfall the, the Mind Adventure. Adventure. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. like the it got diff- released on Wii, and that's the only version I think has been yeah. re-released. Um, but, but it's the Wii's the copy of the 32X one or the Jaguar one. No, it's a Mega Drive one. It's not, no. It's, it has the weird... It's, the SNES version stretched. Yeah, it's, I think Every it's Every version's different. They've all got their own weird quirks. Yeah, but the Mega Drive's the good one, right? That's like the yeah, best yeah. one. Yeah, the 32X one like has some weird problem yeah. going on it and the Jaguar version's got to slow down and all that. I didn't realise that there was a fourth illusion game. Because you know they've got like, you've got land, world and castle. Oh, castle, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a fourth one that was a Fade to X game. Is there? Yeah, where you go through. I don't know if it's a direct sequel to Illusion, but it's the same sort of controls. But you go through the different cartoons through the ages. That's Mickey Mania. Is it Mickey Mania? It's not a World of Illusion game. It's on Mega Drive. It's on Mega Drive. It's, Mickey, it's, it's on Mega Drive and PS One. I've got the PS One game over there. Oh, Mickey's the... World Adventure on PS One. It was called. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you start off in Steamboat Willy World, and then yeah, you, you yeah. go to the Horror Castle yeah. and everything. Yeah. I played the Fade to X version. Yeah. It's really good. Is it Fade to X? Yeah. There's a Mega CD version. Maybe it's I a Mega CD that. version. I think it was Fade to X, though. I can't remember. No. Uh, I only really know that because... Um, it's made by Traveller's Tales. It is, yeah. yeah. And they were also making a Pinocchio game. Yeah, yeah, it got cancelled. That came out on... Well, it was supposed to come out on 32X. It yeah. was a 32X game. But There's a dummy version. There's only like 30-some-odd games on the 32X. Thing. I know, I know. It's like, not worth looking at. There's well, like was, two good games on the whole I was console. literally, I was going through it, because you remember I told you that I discovered that weird series of Blizzard games called Blackthorn. Hmm. I've been trying to play every version of Blackthorn. I wouldn't. It's really interesting. It's not very good, the game, but like there's some interesting, there's some really nice mechanics in it. Hmm. Um, you have a shotgun, and when you've got someone behind you, you can pull a, you can pull a they live, where you hold it over your shoulder and shoot behind you without looking. Yeah. <laughs> that's like one of the best things about like there's a weird ducking mechanic where instead of like actually ducking you push yourself back into the background 
Yeah, yeah. And then when someone fires, it's a really weird game. But like I've been discovering weirder and weirder games. Like um, speaking of Toe Jam and Earl, there's that very similar platformer that's all about like Tona or Tune or Tony or whatever it is, where you play as like a bug. It's all musical based. Tempo. Tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all music based and it's like there's loads of really weird Mega Drive stuff like that like Zool is a similar thing I got Zool yeah Zool's terrible Zool is really bad Chopper Chops yeah the, the special Chopper Chops promotion I had it on the Amiga that game yeah. yeah that's one that's probably going to end up getting brought back at some point probably like Bubsy is soon so there was another game like Toe Jam, Toe Jam and Earl that's really similar and I can't remember what it was there's nothing like Toe Jam and Earl no there was something like Toe Jam and Earl but it wasn't Toe Jam and Earl it was almost like it was like Toe Jam and Earl meets um, meets Zombies Ate My Neighbours. Like it was a similar sort of design like that. It had multi-level gameplay, but it wasn't that you were being you could fight back as well. I can't remember what it was. No idea. Zombie mm. Ate My Neighbours. It's a really good game. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of Zelda on the um, on the GBA. Minish Cap. Minish Cap. Minish Cap. Fuck. Um. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. you done? Yeah, it's my last yeah. review, isn't it? Toe Jam and Earl's good. Yeah. It's got funky music. What's it on? Everything. What's everything? Like it's on PS4, Xbox, For Switch, you, PC. Yeah, you know. everything. It's on everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's out. Yeah, it's out there. Grab it if you want it's it. It's rapping. There's extra. Yeah. Cause there's nine characters in it. Is there really? Yeah. There's two versions of Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, Letitia, whatever her name is, the yeah. other girl one, and then there's three extra characters like Earl's mum, Toe Jam's grandpa, or something. Like, oh god! Imagine if you can unlock the if you could unlock the two uh, Muppet characters from Good uh, from uh, Big Breakfast. You should be able to unlock Keenan and Kel. Yeah, and Zig. What was the name of the Zig two and Zag? Zig and Zag. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. were an obvious rip off of like every alien pairing in video games. Wasn't but, as good as Gilbert. Gilbert was the best TV alien. Who was Gilbert? Gilbert was the green alien that had snot coming out of him. Oh and stuff. god! Yeah. yeah, that fucking ITV Classic. thing. Monstrous. Best alien. Gross. Anyway, you're done now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's time for my last review. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I'm going to talk about something that's probably going to be a sticking point for most people. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of people angry at this. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel. What? The new film release. No one's angry at that. It's a bunch of little shit heel nerds. No, I know. Angry because um, Brie Larson said some maybe Brie Larson co- doesn't like men. It's yeah. a feminist movie. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that this is a feminist movie. But you know, I think that you saw stuff in it that I didn't see, and yeah, it's like it's like there's a whole element to the film where it's like, oh, like you're never going to be this, you can't do this. You're a girl, you shouldn't be doing this stuff. Yeah, and then she's like, I can get up and do this thing. But to me, that's no different than in Captain America when they're going, you're a wimpy little girly boy, you can't stand up and do this stuff, you can't fight back. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I'm going to go into the plot a little bit. I'm not going to do any spoilers. Spoil it. I'm not going to do any spoilers. For fuck's sake, stop spoiling I'm it. not going to do any spoilers. I'm just going to go into the plot a little bit. So, Captain Marvel is a is a Marvel Comics character, if you didn't know from the title. Um, she is an intergalactic warrior. Captain Marvel and DC Comics. There is. There is. His name's Shazam now. Um, she is a intergalactic Kree warrior. Warrior hero. Hero warrior. Noble hero warrior. Hmm. Um, who... Who has uh, who crash lands on Earth after after an altercation with As the all Skrulls? Aliens do. Yeah, after an altercation with altercation uh, altercation with the Skrulls, and she grows to learn that maybe maybe she's not quite who she thought she was. <laughs> Along the way, she meets some familiar Marvel characters. 
Go, we got everyone's favourite, Ronan the Accuser. He's in there, isn't he? Uh, Korath. Ju- Jude Law, Korath. No, Jude Law was Yon Yeah, Yon Rog. Yon Rog, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, what I mean. Korath's in it, though. It is, it's a Marvel film, hmm. through and through. Um, for good and bad, it follows the formula of the most Marvel films. You're rubbing your fucking thighs. Sorry. It follows the formula of the most Marvel films. Come down films. the mic. Sorry. Um, it means that whenever you talk, there's just like this. I'll stop it then, Anne. Yeah. Simpler to ask me to stop than it is to judge me maliciously. A hundred and some episodes. Bastards. So, anyway, so Captain Marvel, yeah, so she's an intergalactic warrior, blah, 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 blah. Um, And we join her on an adventure when she's finding out both both herself and potentially the enemy that she is unaware of. I guess that's that's vague enough that it's not a spoiler. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked it. Um, a lot of people have said that this is quite boring. I didn't really find that. No. Um, a lot of people said they went into cinemas where it was completely silent, no one was laughing. That wasn't the case where I went. Lots of people mm. were laughing. Um, I had a good chuckle. Yeah, there are a lot of people having a lot of fun. I had a bit where people got punched. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was one really good Stanley cameo, which has been ruined all over the joint now, so he's reading the Mulrat script, um, which is really nice, yeah. really sweet. hundred and some people died at the screen that Kevin Smith was at when he yeah. drowned in his yeah, tears. drowned in his tears. And sobbing, bawling. Um, and uh, and he tries yeah, everything he does. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but all in all, like, yeah, it's it's a nice, simple origin story. There's not much to it. There is a little bit of a flip, reverse it. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, one of the nicest things is set in the 90s. And you do kind of feel that era a little bit through some of the stuff they do. They've done it really well. The freaking, the way they've digitally removed parts of LA skyline yeah. to make it look like 90s LA yeah. is like spot on. It's not just that, like, you've got um, a really a really familiar internet cafe for anyone who, like, who went to one of those early 2000s. Alta Vista. Yeah. Um, My favourite bit was when they're waiting to listen to the black box recording. Yeah, and it's just loading. It's like, so it's what's load. happening? It's loading. Loading. Um, <laughs> my favourite is, um, I mean, there's, there's, a lot of ele- there's a lot of bits I really fucking love. Um, there's Nick Fury interacting with anyone. Hmm. Um, specifically, he's speaking to someone named Talos. And he goes, so you could turn into anything. Could you turn into a filing cabinet? He's like, why would I want to turn into a filing cabinet? He's like, you turn into a Venus flytrap right now, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> and I burst out laughing. Yeah. It was because it's just, it's obviously, it's, it's obviously scripted, but the way that Samuel L. Jackson's smiling as he gets to say, it's like, I'll give you 50 bucks right now, Venus flytrap. <laughs> I'm fucking, I was not expecting that. It was pretty great. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces like there is um there's a really great science officer joke um where they go, Oh, it's 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 three six five point something something, 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 something. What could that mean? And one person just immediately goes, Oh, it's coordinates. And and one of one of the I think Talos turns to this guy and goes, goes you couldn't tell me that. You're my science officer, and you couldn't tell me that. And through heavy prosthetics, you, you still get that complete, like, in a shrugs. completely unaffected shrug, just like, and, uh, and you know, mm. it's just, it's fantastic. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a film that I wanted to see again pretty soon I was soon expecting after. a bunch of Top Gun reference to work their way I was in expecting there, nothing. That, no, none of that. Um, yeah. I was expecting... I mean, the cat's called Goose. <coughs> and obviously, like, she called it Goose because of Top Gun. But obviously yeah. that was like in her past life because memories and shit. Yeah. Um, I like the cat. A lot of people are raving about the cat. Mm. Um, 
Probably it's one of my. Cat. It's a flurkin. It's a flurkin. Uh, one of my favorite interactions is right at the beginning. How can you not tell the difference? One of my greatest interactions is right at the beginning, where Korvaf, Korvaf, Korf, is um is recounting experiencing a scroll taking his form, mm. and he goes. At that moment, I was both staring at someone I loved and my worst enemy, and it was so very confusing. And <laughs> someone goes, "Maybe if you're more handsome, it wouldn't have been so disturbing." He was like, "No." Potentially, that could have been more disturbing. And then someone, another another member from the team, said, "Well, that's that's good because you know, objectively, you're quite handsome." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's nice. They are like actual people that have experienced mm. stuff together." I've already noticed people grasping at straws to say why the, they think the film's still terrible, even though it's one of those things. They, this is what I say: internet pre-hate when they decide yeah. they're going to hate something before yeah. it comes out, and it always backfires in their fucking faces. That the only time it possibly hasn't is Ghostbusters. Yeah, because Ghostbusters was a bit lame. Well, like, I didn't like Ghostbusters, but I mean, it's not the most offensive thing out no, there. No, <laughs> like I said at the time, I said that it was I'd just... watch it before I watch Batman v Superman again. <laughs> I okay, I can't. I, yeah. I, yeah, I'd argue that point. Um, Batman vs Superman started becoming one of those. If I can mute Melissa McCarthy every time she just starts talking to yeah. Flair. I think my problem with Ghostbusters was just that it was made for the wrong reasons. But they they tried it with Wonder Woman. Do you remember when they freaking review bombed the shit out of Godfather Part 2 so Dark Knight could be a higher ranking film on IMDb? No. Years and years ago. No, I never knew about cause that. Because Dark Knight was like second. So yeah. a whole bunch of people started review bombing Godfather Part 2 to try and knock it under. Because <laughs> they're fucking nerds. I've, um, basically, I've, because, because there's been a lot of conversations about this versus Wonder Woman, I'm not going to go into the specifics of that because... <laughs> Everybody knows that I don't. I don't like Wonder Woman. I think that's just sexist. Personal. It's not sexist. It's a personal thing. I think that Gal Gadot can be charming, but it's all very flat. And it's, it's just not upset because they kill friggin' Captain Kirk. Well, no, it just it wasn't very interesting. It still Chris isn't. Pine. It still isn't very interesting. And like, there are a lot of scenes where people have said, "Oh, stuff like the No Man Land scene." It just falls flat. Like, I don't. It really doesn't. You just. It does really. It feels really flat. But I mean, like. We're not here to review Wonder Woman, but people were saying that that was like this big thing. So I rewatched Wonder Woman after watching Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel, sorry, because I said I thought maybe I was wrong. So I watched a few um, a few yeah. films because there's a lot of stuff out there where people are comparing shit, and I like to. I always like to if I'm watching something and I really enjoy it, and and my review for Captain Marvel would be the same regardless of what I've watched in between then and now. Uh, one of the things that I try to do is I still try to understand perspective. I always I always like to get a better grasp on things. So. I rewatched Aquaman. I rewatched um, um, Wonder Woman. I rewatched the first Avenger because those were the three that people kept bringing back to. And when you watch this, you can see those sparks of Captain America, the first Avenger. Like there's humor in there. It's not always necessary for the scene, but it's it's light enough that levity sort first of carries stuff. Right. I like it a lot. The first half's a lot better than the second half. Yeah, I like I like Captain America, the first Avenger a lot. I like the director who directed the Rocketeer. Yeah, Joe you Johnson. Can, Joe Johnson. You can feel so much of the Rocketeer in that first half. Yeah, out of all mm. those early Marvel films, that's the only one that feels like it's made by a director who's got a style. Like a lot of the other ones, really feel like they <coughs> come from the same school of thought. I don't. I think Kenneth Branagh shaped Asgard more than we realise mm. because that's very Shakespearean. Yeah, that tripod that had one broken leg though. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Iron Man. Iron Man is very much a John Favreau film. We know that yeah. now. It's a lot of style, a lot of substance. But anyway, so Captain Marvel, um, set in the 90s, all very interesting. I really like it. The Skrulls, I love what they did with the Skrulls. I like what they did with the Kree. I like the way that everything turns up. It was a little bit dark in scenes. That's my one gripe is it was a little bit dark. And also, um, I, I could have done with so much more of people interacting. I think there are a lot of scenes where um, where you have 
action that works very well, but they're a bit bit misguided when it comes to interaction in those scenes. Like um, there's the big fight where there's a lot of Cree, a lot of scrolls on the ship, and she's got her hands stuck in those things. Mm. Really, really fun fight scene. Didn't need her screaming in the face of a scroll when there's That's more scrolls coming down. It's funny, yeah. but you know, like save that for the end where the guy's That's like funny. standing near the as it's about to decompression, have him have a go ah! like that, and then as it starts crying, she's like, Ugh. "That would have been funny." Like just maybe set it. There's just a couple of beats where it's missed, and you know, as much as everybody's angry about how um, one particular character gets shaped in a way that affects the rest of the Marvel universe, I should we spoil that or no. is it? No, I won't spoil that, but. Um, to me, it was funnier that it was so pointless and stupid. Nick Fury lies. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a lot. And I also like the fact that there's no bad blood over that incident. It's just like, this is life now. But he he told the truth from the beginning. In Avengers film, he yeah. says that, no, in Winter Soldier, he said, I trusted someone and they betrayed me. Yeah. And that's how he lost his eye. Yeah. He's not lying. No, that's true. Um, Although he does lie. Yeah. All the time. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few fight scenes that are really surprisingly good. Hmm. Um, and they're more like one-on-one fights. So you've got the train. It's really, really good. But then you've also got Nick Fury in the car. I've not heard many people talk about this, but the car chase through Los Angeles, hmm. where he's got Coulson in the car with him. It's fucking... That's incredible. It's really nice stunt work there. And then you've also got in the um, in the records room where the lights go on and off, hmm. you've got that really nice Talos versus Fury fight. And there are some moves in that that I just... I, I think when I came back, I was speaking... I was so excited about seeing something like that in a Marvel film. And I was saying to you, it's just great. There's like a little move where he's just like... He knees him up into the air and then quickly kicks out his leg. Mm. And stuff like that. There's like lateral moves when you're so powerful, you can fling people around. That no one really... they Everybody just fights like two MMA fighters in a lot of films. Yeah. Despite the fact that they could literally fling each other around. Or they just fly about shooting beams at each other, and like neither's really how you'd fight in a but situation. The thing is, Nick Fury's always put in a situation where he's not going to win the fight. Yeah, because he's what, just a guy. Immediately disarms. But what the matters gun. is that Nick Fury tries. Yes, <laughs> basically, Nick Fury he enters into the fight. The first thing he does is he hits the guy in a way that distracts him, throws him off, and then as he's distracted, he quickly removes the gun from the action. Hmm. So he makes it so the gun doesn't work. He's like, okay, that's that's us level pegging sort of. And then he pulls out his gun, and then. <laughs> His gun gets disarmed in the same way that he did, mm. and uh, and then he tries to throw it, and that's when that nice little sweep. But it's just a lot of these films they don't they don't act like the characters are super powerful, uh, 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 super powered in a way that means they would still fight like with gravity and other things in effect. And I think that yes and no, people can fly and things like that, but you still have to if you're trying to injure someone, you're trying to ground them. You're not trying to punch them further into the air. You're trying to ground them. You're trying to drive them and down. You're trying to punch use your strength them at least five buildings. <laughs> Um, and pointless punching someone for a die. building is ridiculous because the mass is not like it's a building it's basically hollow if you're that powerful just throw them into the ground you've got like just yeah there's it's other arguments there but anyway I enjoyed it a lot I was very excited to see it I like the ending I like the way everything wraps up there are a few gripes I have like the darkness thing and I could have done with a lot more character interaction my favourite characters were um, my favourite well I fucking love the villains in this hmm without going into detail who they are, I think the villains are charming and charismatic and you understand why they're doing what they're doing. You've got people that are bound by honour and then you've got people that are doing it for much more personal reasons and at no point did I go, that's unrealistic. I was always like, this is someone who is a soldier, a spy, someone who is adapt at, at trying to wheedle themselves into a position of power. 
And very much in that last scene, someone makes a move to try and gain power in the situation. They do it by being manipulative and it not working. And it was almost more like a, oh, look, there you go, character growth and everything else. I mean, I recommend everyone sees it. It's not, again, it's not a perfect film. It's very much for me, it's it's right there with Doctor Strange. It's right there with Iron Man. Yeah. It is a good origin. Um, it could always be better. It's never going to be like the Winter Soldiers or, um, or Guardians of the Galaxies. It's always going to be like... I mean, I, I would say Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, things like that, they're top-tier in, you know, origins, and you've got... do about Ant-Man. Do you not like Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man's one? Ant-Man's all right. I thought it was a really good origin for Ant-Man. It's all right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I really like Ant-Man. I could rewatch. watch it. It would have been better as an Edgar Wright film. It would have been a lot better, but it pretty much is, isn't it? Yeah. When you look at it. Um, I mean, one of the things about Ant-Man was that even before he gets his powers, he's very smart, and often you see that people are more... Their intelligence is is usually how they get the powers, and in that he's like, "Hey, look, That's I know." Marvel is that most of the characters who get superpowers probably would have been pretty successful without them. Yeah. Anyway, like Bruce Banner, like if he never got superpowers, he'd be a world-renowned biochemist and gamma scientist. If like freaking, well, he's a biochemist. That's his job. His gamma radiation is what he specialised yeah. in the effect on biological organisms. Yeah. But Tony Stark was already super popular and he's famous. A, he's a philanthropist, full-on rapist. <laughs> full-on rapist. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they all have. The only one who isn't is Steve Rogers, but he if probably he, he would have probably would have never seen combat and died of leukemia or something. Yeah, he would have <laughs> died of weak scurvy yeah. sickness. Um, he's probably the only one who wouldn't have become anything if he never became a superhero. Yeah, or um, Star Lord probably would have been working in a McDonald's or something by now. I think Star- he would have been working in a um, in a small council like a small run park company, just managing parks and stuff. Probably. In recreational yeah. facilities. Hanging out with someone named April Ludgate. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I still like it. I like it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a lot better than... It's a lot better than a lot of films that I've seen recently when it comes to... Sort of we don't have origin, to watch every film. Origins and characterization. It does. It, it just does a good job. It's a Marvel film, so you expect it to have a certain level of quality. I really liked it. And mm. I'd probably recommend it to most people. I like that it make people stick around for that final bonus scene yeah it's probably the best troll final scene since the yeah. Captain America one at the end of um, Spider-Man yeah <laughs> it just comes on to some t- yeah. was, it disapp- was it disappointment or patience or something like that sometimes it's not worth it at all no I think probably mm. my favourite post credit scene is is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse oh well the Spider-Man 2099 <laughs> yeah. we've got to go back to the beginning 1970 yeah. or 1967 it's like, it's like hey you I need your help hey don't you point at me. You are the one who was pointing. I was pointing to point at you because you pointed at me. I thought it was great. Oscar Isaac is a nice little cameo. But I mean, yeah, I, I liked I liked the first one more than the second. I think the second one was just, yeah, done for laughs. Mm. But yeah, Julianne Moore. It's, uh, it's not quite perfect, but um, I really fucking enjoyed it. Mm. I'd definitely say it's in the upper half of yeah. Marvel films. I've heard people say... There's the, like four million fucking Marvel films. I know. Films. I've heard people say the exact opposite. I was... It's almost because it's Dolph Lundgren Punisher film. Um, or Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. I've heard people say that, that Black Panther wasn't that good and they preferred this over Black yeah, Panther. Yeah, because, because they're just... <laughs> Black Panther was just... Because that's what that's what happens. Whenever you get a campaign and loads of a whole lot of people like, this is going to be terrible because, you know, it's not because of racism or sexism or anything. Yeah. And then when the film's massively successful, the only thing they can fall back on is, well, I didn't think it was very good. I think and they'll problem, try to pick holes in stuff. I really like Black Panther until the last half hour. That was the only bit. Mm. It was just the CGI that let it down in the last half hour. It doesn't it make a, bit, a bad film. It's just weird. I know, but it looked a bit wanky. And then, like, you had like rhinos and shit. It's they were Marvel. just yeah, they're true. <laughs> um, I was 
Um, speaking of Black Marvel Panther, Marvel CGI has never been the top stuff. No, like, except for Iron Man One. Iron Man One. Iron Man One looks outdated. Really good. Yeah, Iron Man One looks outdated in oh, a whole really? bunch of places. Yeah. Iron Man Three looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Argue that you son of a bitch. Um, I was listen- I was recently listening that to uh, friggin' de aging they did on Samuel L. Jackson is friggin' amazing. Yeah, like, it's it really fucking. Coulson good. looks a little bit wobbly in some <laughs> parts. Made out of but the thing is with Coulson is that like that guy I can never remember his fucking name the actor. Um, he's oh, not Clark Gregg yeah Clark Gregg like he's been around in films for years but yeah. there's probably nowhere near as much reference material to use no. as there was Samuel L. Jackson Samuel L. Jackson's been in films for like 40 years yeah like. he's um, coming to America like he, he was in jail before he became an actor yeah, that's true. and it's like you can he's go the back Danny in... Trejo of black people <laughs> <laughs> but he's like <laughs> like he, he had a whole life before he became an yeah. actor like Alan Rickman yeah um one of the podcasters who missed Sunday movies had some of the fucking I just couldn't stop laughing at. Um, you know, have you seen the Iron Man free thing where he goes and he gives a little girl a hand and it's like a, a prosthetic? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, do you know Andy Serkis loves playing Claw? It's like one of his favourite, favourite characters he's ever played. Like King Kong, fuck it, Gollum, no. Just, he loves Claw. Oh, you just use Claw, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were saying they wish they had a campaign to go and send him to give prosthetics to kids in characters Claw. <laughs> they should have had one where he's in hospital and Iron Man turns up to give him a, a new prosthetic arm. It's Iron Man branded prosthetic. It's just, it's just the, 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 the way they explain it. It's like he turns up and his goons bring in like an oil barrel. Mm. <laughs> and he just goes, you go little girl. And it's like a shitty rubbery hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Pops open and gun comes out. They're like they just they, fucking, they pick up in a drum and they take the arm out. They put it on. He goes, "Remember, little girl, you must destroy your enemies." Seize the means of production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't let them tell you what to do, mate. <laughs> and it was Leonardo DiCaprio comes around here looking for diamonds. You fucking turn the fuck off, mate. It was just it was the mentor of, of <laughs> him coming in. Looking at him, Hello, there, little girl. <laughs> You're missing a hand. <laughs> Look at me with my. <laughs> You want the hand as good as mine, yeah? <laughs> Just like a sonic cannon. <laughs> oh, oh god, it's the greatest! It's the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard. It's only like five minutes of the podcast. And I was pissed myself laughing, walking to work, mm. just in tears as I walked through town. I love oh. his prosthetic arm looked really shitty <laughs> in that film until a gun pops out of it, and I'm like, "You smart bastard." <laughs> You made sure everyone would be like, oh, it's just a disabled man. Just, like, <laughs> it looks like a rubber dildo arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I guess what? <laughs> like, I like the fact it does look shit, but yeah. Mm. Oh, God. I, I also just love the idea that, that Andy Serkis' is favourite character of all time is Ulysses Claw. Mm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's when, he's, when he's got his BFI in tribute. <laughs> it's just like, remember when you play Claw? He goes, Oh yes, Claw, my favourite of Rose. <laughs> it's just him going, "Hello, hello, little girl, would you like a sweetie?" <laughs> oh. uh, in memory, it's going to be a picture of him as Claw with a gold tooth and shit fit. Yeah. <laughs> the Oscar's real. Oh, okay. And your last review. You done? I'm having a great time. Oh, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> done. Yeah. 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 I had a really good time. Huh. Your review. Your review, Did you see that a bunch of nerds were like, oh, don't see Captain Marvel, see Elite Battle Angel instead of a film that's not political at all? I did. And they're like, really? 
You know from noted not political director Robert Rodriguez. Do you remember the time when Antonio Banderas played a Mexican-Canadian in Machete 2? And he's like, I am Mexican and Canadian. He pulls off his moustache. You remember the man who who famously stood by Rose McGowan when um, when uh, what's-his-name has been a dodgy mm-hmm. fuck? Yeah. Not political in slightest, Rodriguez. No, no, he's not a feminist or anything like that. He would tell him to fuck off. <laughs> well, no, you, you know the story famously of what happened when Rose McGowan told him about the whole thing. Yeah. Because he... Um, well, I his, think that's part of the reason why he stopped working with... Miramax. Miramax, yeah. Yeah, because of Rose McGowan. Yeah. Like, he... He's always been really, like, I don't know if anyone's seen his movies, but women are often the main characters and also total fucking badasses. Hmm. I mean, you look at Planet Terror, the joke of Planet Terror is that I never miss, but you also get shot and killed because you're a cocky little prick. <laughs> but the woman who who has to overcome, like, difficulty and is, is in a place that's much worse off than the man, rises up to be this fucking godlike figure that protects everyone. Yeah. You know, like... Leg. Yeah. Which is impractical. You'd bend the barrel, you'd mess up. You know, I'm just. It's a fault with the film. (laughs) You'd bend the barrel, film's terrible. Four out of ten. It's It's all about class systems and fucking haves and haves nots and fucking. But it is also about um, women, women in environments where it's more difficult. Yeah. Overcoming. She literally grows and gains a new body. Yeah. Like. Because she has to overcome great pain in order to become a woman. I don't know why. (laughs) This is the thing, though. Elisa Battle Angel isn't in cinemas anymore. Yeah. So why are people... What's the point? Nerds, nerds, man. Well, see, I think that the problem is they took it to heart that she It's because she looks like an anime wifey. That's what it is. I think the problem is... Looks like they're pillows. That Brie Larson quite rightly turned around and said, I don't want it to just be men in my promo stuff. Because it doesn't make sense. The film's made for for women and men, but it's also one of the first female superheroes that the Marvel Universe has really put yeah. into its temple movie. At the end of the day, it can't hurt. No. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, not all journalists are men. Why aren't we seeing more female journalists doing film reviews? If I think about, like, I think of all the people that review films, I can't think of... I mean, Mark Commode is probably the person that comes to mind. Mark Commode, uh, Simon... Simon K, is it? Simon... Simon... Um, Oh, God, who's the person who does the show with him? Simon Mayo. Simon Mayo, yeah. Mark Commode, Simon Mayo. They're probably two of my two of my favourite film critics. And, I mean, they both have different opinions. But then I listen to dissenting opinions. And whereas Mark Commode and Simon Mayo are quite, you know, they're quite wordy and they're, they're intelligent. Yeah, yeah, Mark Commode doesn't have, like, pretensions. No. And you get a lot of them who... I find a lot of the YouTube community, especially with their critics, they... They have delusions of having pretensions about film when really they don't really understand what films are. It's not just that. So I listen to... You focus on the wrong stuff, you twats. It's so fucking weird, but I listen to four different reviews for Captain Marvel in... in the, Well, no, sorry, five. Five in total. Mm. Um, I listen to Nostalgia Nerd, Nostalgia Critic, who I don't usually listen to because yeah. he's kind of a weirdo. I've heard bad things. Yeah, he's a tosser. Yeah. Um, so I listened, I watched his review and him and his brother are both like... It his was kind of boring. a tosser. Yeah, they were like, it's kind of boring. It's it's you know, it's not ready for us. And you know, like when you've got this, this, and this, like you've got that, and and their opinion just sort of fell flat. It didn't feel like it was like a passionate agreement in either way. They couldn't really express their opinions clearly. They sort of just rambled. They don't have much to say. They just rambled on about how they didn't know what was going on. This really? was good, and <laughs> and like they were a bit bored, and then they didn't really know why this was made. And then you listen to someone like Funhouse, and Funhouse who usually. 
I don't agree with when it comes to films like they didn't really rate Overlord and and, and Battle Angel they they liked but you know they're they're people that that feel like criticism is just well this is a bad thing this looks bad that looks bad there's no merits there's none of this Funhouse are very much because it's a group of people you get different opinions and it's kind of nice it's like a it's like a boiler pot you get sort of everything that everybody's feeling but then you listen to people like Mark Commode and Mark Commode goes you know, I kind of get that feeling, and he, there's a passion to it. Because he knows films, yeah. Whereas most of these people don't. And then, and then, like you've got people like Angry Joe, who just sounds like he's repeating what nostalgia yeah. critic said. Like I'm saying, YouTube com- reviewers very rarely know films. Yeah, but Mark Commode, if you listen to Mark Commode, like he is. I wish Mark Cousins still wrote reviews or published reviews. Mark mm, Cousins is one of yeah. the best critics out there, and you know you get to listen to his Irish accent, which is always fun. I really and the miss, way he says film as film. I really miss having someone like Roger Ebert. And, yeah. and and Ebert, like Ebert and Siskel together were always I think a lot of YouTube reviewers think they're being more critical of film if they're always negative about them and they fail to see the positive stuff in films and people then go oh no they were really hard on this film which means they're a better reviewer and it's no films can be fun it's yeah. that attitude that led to Speed Racer getting slated by reviewers yeah. and Speed Racer's a fucking phenomenal film I would always say like there I are watched two... a clip of that the other day and I was like holy shit this is beautiful there are two <laughs> things I'd always say about Speed Racer one it's a reference level quality film for visual effects yeah and for Blu-ray it's possibly the most earnest yeah. film made for kids and, ever and like... two if you don't agree one part of Speed Racer there's five different stories that are quite clearly told that you can follow hmm. you don't need to just follow the one different. narrative um, it's the same with like just in general like it's one not so hard on the Ghostbusters film because it looks nice I see I would disagree I think but- the women didn't really apart from Miss McCarthy irritates the shit out of me her voice <laughs> stuff. but the women were doing their best with it they were doing the best they yeah. could they put the effort in soundtrack's alright good music yeah. like friggin like I said, I just, it's shot like a film with colour and texture which is rare these days I think a special effects film shouldn't it be improv heavy it funny yeah, shouldn't be improv heavy, and it was made for the wrong reasons. It's okay if you need a character to walk from one location to another in a scene to have them not talk. I think the misconception is that comedy now is better when it's improvised, and I don't think that's true, no. because when you go back to Ghostbusters, that's all scripted. Yeah. None of it was improvised. It was all written. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, even when, like, say, like as as recently as the Green Book review I did today... I tried to give as much criticism as I could for both sides of it and explain why I didn't like it as clearly mm. as I could. But when you've got somebody who's just saying, I don't know who this is for. I don't know. Oh, she hates. It's a feminist movie or the shit. Like, there was one time in Captain Marvel where I felt like this could have been shot after the internet criticism. But upon finding out that it was shot before, I'm like, I can kind of tell that as well. And that's the smile. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, but apparently that happens to women all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've had to tell people off for telling women to smile. Exactly. (laughs) It's fucking, you know, that happens all the time. And then people on the internet are like, oh, fucking feminist propaganda. It's like, no, you know, that's that's it. She's a soldier. She's told to suppress her emotions because emotions have no place in the battlefield. That's kind of true. Well, they're telling to suppress her emotions because they know full well she's that more if, powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. It's a different off. reason, but like I always, I I did see it just like it was like a soldier. Because thing, when like. women display emotion, they're hysterical. No, no, and they're I out always, of control and all this sort of stuff, and they can't be respected. I didn't see it as a feminist ra- narrative in that respect because I did think it was like soldiers are brainwashed so that they don't mm. have emotions, so that killing yeah, doesn't yeah, have yeah. the same. But yeah, anyway, and it's your last review. We've rambled on about, you. about this long enough. Um, Far Cry New Dawn, I guess. Yeah, it's another Far Cry game. It is. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, I didn't play Far Cry 5. This one's set 17 years after it. At the end of Far Cry 5, spoilers, 
the world gets nuked. Depending on which, which ending you take. No, no, the world gets nuked no matter what in Far Cry 5. It does. It gets, it gets you, can, you can leave that place and nukes don't go off. Well, if you freaking do the thing at the start, yeah. that's not doesn't count. Like, fuck, that's not the end of the game. <sighs> but no, they um, they do the game. It's post-apocalyptic. You got most of the map from the last game. It's like, it's cordon off. It's a smaller game. It kind of like, it reminds me of Far Cry Blood Dragon, but more expanded. Like, they've, they've taken a small part of the map, redone it, redesigned it, and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And like, giving you your own story thing going on here. But um, yeah, you've got these twin sisters that are fucking things up for everyone. You get a guy who's been known to rebuild communities elsewhere to help you build a new community called Prosperity. Because they always have to have a name like that. They can't just call them Tomsville or something. Something stupid. Americans would just name it after a place in Spain, wouldn't they? That's all they do. They'd fucking 50 Cent would survive and it'd be called Centville. It'd be freaking 50, 50 Town. Um, but no, they freaking... Your aim is to just do Far Cry stuff until you finish the game. Um, you take over posts and you kill animals and get their skin and shit. Um, and then you craft things and then you you kill some things. Yeah. Um, the main thing in this is you need to collect up ethanol, which is a is the most sought after thing. Like I would have alcohol derivative. Well, you use it to like keep things running, I guess. Okay. Guess what they power their cars with and stuff. I don't well, know. that makes sense because it doesn't. Um, mm. Petrol congeals. Yeah, petrol is like a byproduct, so it wasn't originally conceived the way it is now. Um, but it has this horrible effect that after a week or so, it just sort of congeals and stops being as effective. But yeah, you use the ethanol to like upgrade your base and stuff like that. And yeah. When you take the the um, outposts, then you get a bit of ethanol from that and all this. And yeah, bear. Yeah, but um, yeah, you just basically that's your main goal: build up your base, get stronger. When you build up your base, you get stuff like you can access to better guns or more health. Or your little squad teammate buddy gets better health. Um, it's a nice little set of teammates. There's a nanny with a sniper rifle. She's quite funny. She's a bit crazy. Um, you can have a, the character called the Judge, who seems to be the guy from the first game. Like it seems like like it doesn't really tell you who he is. Yeah. But there's references in there that he was around and he was picked by Joseph Seed to be his follower. At the end of the game. Yeah, I'm guessing that it's going to be a lot of stuff linked to the Seed family. Yeah. But there's a whole, there's a, they've got a whole camp and then you have to go and find Joseph because he's disappeared up north somewhere. Oh. Um, there's a whole thing with that. You get to punch a bear. Um, it's quite cool. Um, there's mutated animals and stuff like, but there's one thing, the game doesn't really push the post-apocalypse as far as you'd think it would. No. Um, the only, like, like some of the guns have things strapped to them. So like a science would be a bottle that's been strapped with a bag around it. Yeah. Like a, like a, you know, makeshift silencer. Um, but like the only, in, um, like. Scanner dark. Yeah. But the only, like, post-apocalypse weapon you get is a saw-launching gun, which is quite a cool gun. It starts off pretty basic, but later on you get one that you can rev up to fire further, or it bounces off of things and takes out multiple enemies in one shot. Reminds stuff like me that. a lot of the boomerang from Rage. Yeah, but yeah. it's not a Rage gun. It's, it's a saw-launcher. It fires buzz saws. Yeah, I know. Um, but there's other stuff. There's like little extra bonus silly weapons in there. You can get the guns from um, Far Cry Blood Dragon, and you get the futuristic guns from the DLC for Far Cry 5 and things like that. So, yeah, there's little things in there. There's extra cars. You know, it doesn't take itself, take itself too seriously. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I'll say they could have pushed the apocalypse a bit further, but I guess they wanted to have characters from the last game turning up and have ties to the last game, so they couldn't push it. Yeah. They couldn't set it too far in the future. Um, it's kind of funny how, like, Hope County just survives just about, and everything around it is a singed dead wasteland. <laughs> and I kind of hope the next lot of Far Cry games just mention how there's, like, 
this one county that's all right and the people in there haven't bothered leaving it. Like the wasteland around just it got destroyed and that was it. That way. Like just say, yeah, that's all that got destroyed. Just the just that little bit around this Hope County. Um and everything else is fine. That would be funny. Um, but yeah, they it's 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 another game. Yeah. It's not much to it. Like I say, it doesn't stick around too long. The structure of the story feels a lot better because you know how like the Far Cry games have this whole thing where it's like, here's your villain, and then you kill the villain like one third into the game, and the game just carries on going. Like Vass and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. they've they've all had that problem. I feel, but Blood Dragon didn't because Blood Dragon had a beginning and an end, and he churned through it, and it was fucking that. The end of Blood Dragon is possibly one of the greatest finales to any game ever made ever. Yeah, it's astounding. Riding a fucking talking dragon while firing the Predator's glaive at things. While frigging the touch plays, no, it, was, what, it wasn't. It was touch. Friends Forever. No, Friends Forever plays over the end credits. It was oh. the song from Rocky Four. Hearts on Fire. Yeah. Yes. Was it Hearts on Fire? It's something like that. But it plays a song when you when you run around and you fucking. It might have been the touch actually. But you anyway, got the touch. Um. But yeah, that's an amazing finale. But this yeah. one just like they don't push it that far. It's still very much set within the Far Cry universe. Yeah. But um. Yeah. It's just it's just I prefer this sort of one. It doesn't drag on way too long. It doesn't. It doesn't fill the game with all these wacky, weird characters and stuff. And yeah. it's just... It feels a bit more like the first Far Cry, which had a goal to go through and you play through. And But the first Far Cry was a corridor shooter in disguise. Like, yeah. um, Also, the first Far Cry was a corridor shooter in disguise mixed in with some sci-fi and yeah. some... But it had a yeah. goal to go to aim towards and it plays out the story. Yeah. Whereas, like, everything from Far Cry 3 onwards doesn't. Far Cry 2 is more like a series of events happening and you wander around it and then... Turns out you're the bad guy. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I get loads of people saying, oh, Far Cry 2 did loads of stuff that was way more impressive. Like, you could shoot branches off trees and they'd grow back and stuff. And I'm like, does that improve the gameplay, though? And it's like, they go, yeah, but they didn't do it in the new ones. Like, the fire doesn't burn for ages and burn down buildings yeah, the and stuff. the reason was that it was so dry. You're in Africa yeah, in the first Yeah, but, like, you fire the rocket launcher and it set fire to stuff behind you. I'm like, yeah, but that was just... They, they were just trying to do realism for realism's sake. And the game is... That Far Cry 2 is built around decay and things breaking and everything's falling apart whereas from Far Cry 3 onwards they're Michael Bay movies they're not concerned with realism they're concerned with being fun and cool that's that's all they're about yeah um, I like the in-between games they're always a little bit more different a little bit more yeah. interesting um, yeah. like a Primal's a weird one that's a yeah I one. like I, I fucking I, I keep saying this I played Far I, I played Far Cry Primal more than I've played most Far Cry games. Yeah. And I don't know what it was about that game, but I fucking adored it and played it's it. It's just to nice death. to have weapons that aren't AK forty sevens and machine guns it's and shotguns. Not just that. It was a little bit more than that. I think it was just the fact that you made a game where someone said, Hey, you remember when that helicopter goes overhead and it really pisses you off because helicopters like they just if you can't ping it down or if you don't have the right ammo, then you're kind of at the mercy of someone in a helicopter. Hmm. And they've sort of fixed that with a new one by making like gyrocopters or making it so there's exposed parts on the bottom so you can kind of get a shot off with a few different weapons. You don't have to deal with that new dawn at all. No. In mm. Far Cry Primal, you've just got people and you've got animals. Mm. And if you've got like... One of the greatest things about Primal was that you could take a bow and arrow, ping at someone, take out their mates, and then the last one would just start running. And because they don't have like fucking towers to like call people in and all that other shit, they would just keep pegging it until you picked them off. And yeah. it was just kind of fun to hunt those people across the map. Yeah, on this one, you can um, scavenge... When you take an outpost, you yeah. can scavenge it and basically basically lets the enemy t- enemy take it back. Mm. So then you can capture it again at a harder difficulty. Yeah. And it basically adds a couple more of those radio towers where they can call for help. Oh, cool. So you have two, and then you have three. So you have to take them out before yeah. you deal with them. Um, and the you know the more stealthy you are about it, the more ethanol you get from it and all that jazz. 
The key question yeah. to any Far Cry game, how's the bow and arrow? Uh, you get a really shitty one early on. Yeah. And then there isn't a second level one until you get to a point in the story where you get it from a story and then you unlock it. That's upsetting. And it's a bit of a pain, but if you've got the Far Cry points that you collect, you get the coin, the Far Cry yeah. coins, premium currency thing you can buy to unlock stuff early. Yeah. But you can unlock them regularly. Um, like you can just buy the Blood Dragon bow and arrow and have the neon arrows and stuff. I'm going to get it. I've I got just... the recurve bow, though, because you get that stage three. So. I am going to get Far Cry, uh, New Dawn. I'm going to wait a little while. Um, there's still stuff I've got to do on... It's not too expensive, though. It's only like 35 quid on disc. It's not a full-price yeah, game. Yeah, I know, but I've, I've still got stuff I've got to mm. do on Far Cry 5 because i played all the DLC. There's just I think there's one more I've got to yeah. do. The zombie but they, one. They've done all right. I'd prefer if they did Far Cry games like this. They're a bit different. Because they're always... Where's my fucking sequel to Blood It's always Dragon. a game where it's like, hey, you're just a normal person who's been dragged into his... Yeah. Far Cry 5 was a little less that because it was you're a sheriff's deputy, isn't it? And yeah, you get, so you... So you're already someone who should be shooting you're people. You're actually... You, uh, I say should be shooting people. You but you're like a new deputy, aren't you? Whereas yeah. all the other ones are like, oh, you're on holiday and you've been dragged into a hideous situation. Now you look what you've done. One of the things I like about... Especially free. <laughs> one of the things like Yeah, free was bad for that. Mm. Um, one of the things I liked about um, Far Cry 4 was the idea that you started out as part of the part of the resistance fighters there. Mm. And then you left and now you've come back and you've sort of like been Americanized and you've moved away from like the resistance yeah. stuff. And when you come back, they're like, hey, you remember how to use one of these, don't you? And you're like, guess I do. <laughs> Go for it. Take him down. Yeah. Um, I always, I always like these games. They're always really fucking good at creating villains. Yeah. And the sisters in this seem to be quite an interesting villain. Yeah, Mickey and Lou. Mm. But um, yeah, there's there's just less of that, and just focuses on telling the story. Like, it's a proper free act structure to the story. Mm. Um, you know, you get like a third, like the end of the second act happens. Like, I think twenty something missions into it. There's twenty six missions in all. So mm. then you end that, and you just go on to the last part. Um, it just has has a nice progression to it, and then it ends. And it yeah. doesn't outstay its welcome. That's cool. But I mean, I'm at the end of it. I've played 18 hours of it. You've finished it almost. I've just got to beat the final boss because I went there with only two health bars because I've managed <laughs> everything else with just two health bars. Yeah. But dealing with uh, one person firing a flamethrower and the other person shooting sniper rifles at me is a bit much. The one the one thing I always <laughs> say about Far Cry, it's not quite like other, other games of that ilk where I know when I've got points to spend because I'm always looking to upgrade or change things over. Mm. I can sometimes play those games for hours and then I suddenly remember, oh, I've got some points to spend and I end up having like 25. Mm. And you find out that you haven't upgraded in like two days of playing the game. I remember they're saying stuff like, oh yeah, it's more RPG-like. No, it isn't. It's less no. RPG-like. There's not even an XP bar in this one. Yeah, but it's mm. all right. Give it a go. It's more Far Cry. It's yeah. cheaper than the other ones, and uh... well, it's not cheaper than five now. Five you can pick up for about twenty yeah, quid. Five's retail price is fifty quid. Yeah, so I'm saying it... it's not retail price, and it's the sale price for these people. Remember, that's what you said earlier. No, I didn't. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> Jesus. Um, is that uh, is that your review done? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Cut me off there. Why not? I'm not cutting you off there. Is that your review done? I'll ask you a question. Are you done? You want to say yeah. some more? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So I didn't get a Power Rangers series finished this week, but no, Samurai know. is... There's only 20 episodes, and oh my god, I'm seriously considering skipping the Halloween and Christmas special. Yeah. Um, apparently, the Halloween special for Super Samurai, season yeah. two, yeah. Um, was made without shooting a single clip. They they used... Wow. They, they basically used deleted scenes, redubbed them, they, like, used shots for, that were never used before, yeah. like, the, you know... Like the B camera shot for something when they were using a different shot. Yeah. And they made an entire episode without using a camera. 
That's the kind of thriftiness that breeds mm. quality. Yeah, we have to get to that. Jesus. <laughs> I don't envy you. Um, okay, all right. Well, as always, it's been Critapocalypse. You can find Anne at LV54SpaceMonkey on Twitter, or you can find him on YouTube as... Twatter, more like. Twatter. Or um, or you can find him on YouTube as Mellow Game, the most popular Mellow Gaming channel on YouTube still. Probably. Awesome. Awesome. You find me at Critapocalypse on Twitter and also at Critapocalypse on YouTube. But I don't do anything on YouTube because... So I tell them. I'm too fucking ugly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can't, I, have, I have a face for radios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as always, <laughs> Trump fucks kids. Oh, so does Michael Jackson now. Now? Yeah. Oh, and Tucker Carlson. Fuck, yeah. Tucker, Tucker Carlson. No, he... No, sorry. He doesn't fuck kids. He just... Makes jokes, makes jokes about people that fuck kids, and then also about people that marry people that fuck kids. No, sorry, he tries to defend people that get underage girls to marry adults. Because, mm. you know, Tucker Carlson, cunt. They all are, aren't they, really, the right way? Yeah. KKK, Proud Boys, EDL, Britain's see First. see Monopolis is now selling his belongings. Yeah, because he's a fucking idiot. Because he's like... Two million in debt. Isn't it weird how deplatforming someone didn't make him more popular? Yeah, you think that he was so punk rock. Do you remember Alex his... Jones? Yeah, I remember. You haven't heard Alex from Jones. him recently. I have. I, I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast oh, with yeah, him. Oh, on, yeah, he was on there one because yeah. it was fucking insane. Yeah, it is fucking insane. He's an idiot. Do you think his Daily Motion has more followers now than my YouTube channel has? I don't know, probably. Because I, I watched, thought that was fucking funny. I watched. Um, uh, the problem with Joe Rogan is that. He doesn't really argue any of the points, just as people talk themselves into a hole. But he, he doesn't he really. Agrees. He doesn't like he sometimes. Yeah, sometimes he, 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 he fucking wrong. agrees. Yeah. But there was one where they had they had the two people who run Twitter, and then they had some kid. I can't remember his name, but some right wing little prick. Mm. And he kept saying like, "Show oh, um, uh, uh, this guy was uh, was uh, banned. Alex Jones was banned for some of the stuff he said. Uh, can you explain? Uh, can you explain why?" And then they go through, it and he's like, "He's like, ah." Sounds like it's out of context. It's like, yeah, but people don't care about context when it comes to death threats or rape threats. Um, there was that... Who's that? Arkad of Sarkon? Or... Sargon of Akkad. Yeah. yeah. He's a twat. He was... He was specifically... Did he join UKIP? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he was specifically saying stuff about Jewish people and using mm. Jewish slurs. And then this kid was like... Well, he's not a kid. He's like a 30, 40-year-old guy. And he was like... He was like ah, that, that sounds like... Can't, that sounds like a joke to me. And it's like... No... You don't joke about someone being raped and murdered. You know, there's just mm. certain things you don't joke about. Um, and then there was like, and then he it's was called dog whistles. It's when you make jokes that are like bad taste, but you wink and say it's not really bad taste, but really you're making a joke for the Nazis. But like, there are jokes that are based in fact, and then there are jokes where you're just making a really shitty, horrible joke or comment. Mm. It's not really a joke. It's just it's a horrible joke. You just say something shit yeah. to get a lot of reaction. Like if you if you were to say, hey babysitter's coming around tonight can't believe we found a catholic priest to look after the kids that's a joke based on something horrible that happened it's in poor taste but that's a joke if you were to say hey rapist is coming around to fuck my kids tonight that's not a that's not a joke like there are two different things there two Mm. different similar context Mm. and similar structure but one is said in a way that's like oh I'm not aware of this but I'm also aware of this and the other one's just saying someone's gonna rape your kids yeah there is a difference between those things, but you know, yeah. right wing don't get it. They just like they go like, well, if I say that I want to get shove- it, it's just they're trying to excuse. 
It, I don't think they do. I think some of them are so stupid. They that, think if they say it's just a joke, then it's okay. I think they've fallen back on this idea that context matters. Context doesn't matter anymore. You know? Context matters if you've got a platform no, of your own. They say context matters because they want to make it seem like they're being smarter. But they're not. They're not. They're just, <laughs> they're just fucking racist little cunts. Yeah. The right wing is all fucking stupid. I mean, look at what we're doing to ourselves as a country. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh god! And we're part of we're part of like we appreciate industries that are so full of toxic shit that you can tell we're tired when we talk about it. Oh, like you're the one who brings it up. Yeah, I know. But I talk. With I was Pat- waiting to end the podcast. Sorry, do you want to just end it? Yeah. Do you want to end the podcast? I'm in life. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> you done. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, because this is now two hours after fucking edit. No, it's not. It's an hour and fifty six. Yeah, yeah, it makes a massive difference. Alright, wait, wait, wait. Keep it rolling. Keep no. it rolling. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Fuck off.